the purpose of the baptism, when we look at that, you know, there is a baptism unto repentance and there is a baptism unto the Holy Spirit. So John the Baptist says that, you know, there is one, I baptize with water unto repentance, and repentance is repentance, this is for the remission of sins, but there come one mightier than I whose shoes are not worthy to loose. And so he's going to baptize with fire, even the Holy Spirit. So the Father could not be glorified until Yahshua had, until he came up, the resurrection, until he had three days in the heart of the earth and then came up, that his soul not see corruption. So that right there, that's our faith that even us ourselves will come up in a resurrection, the first resurrection. That's what we're doing this for. This is We're building a household of faith. So we're not looking at what other people are doing. We're looking at the word and living the word because when you manifest a word, that is power. Your faith is manifesting everything in your life. You're living by faith, not by sight. So in the faith that we are fellow heirs of the covenant, we are to do one thing when we come into this covenant. This is making a vow. We're making a vow. And how do we do that? With a vow of, I'm going to leave this old life, and I'm going to a new life. And this new life, when I come up the water, you know, because you're sure we saw how he was in the water. The water, the the, the it was uh, in Galilee, the Jordan. He was in the Jordan. So where he was with John the Baptist, um, there was the Holy Spirit came upon him the, when he came up. You know, the dove of the Holy Spirit, it was upon him. It was like an image of a dove. But with the presence, people in the spiritual, they can recognize the presence that our Father gives you by the Spirit in which he's signifying you by way of his Holy Spirit. Just like when Peter saw the Gentiles when they came to him, that presence of the Holy Spirit was there. So we're going to go ahead and get into this um, purpose of baptism and consecration. And let's start at Luke 12, 41 through 53. This is Luke twelve forty one fifty three. Okay. All right, so this was a parable that Yeshua has spoken to Peter. Peter said to him, Lord, speak us uh, you this parable unto us, even to us all, even to all. And Yeshua said, he's calling him Lord, who then that is that who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household, to give him their portion of meat in due season? Blessings that servant whom his Lord when he cometh shall find so doing, his sovereign. Of a truth I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But if that servant save in his heart, my sovereign, my master, my almighty, delay of his coming. We know Yeshua is coming. If we say he's delaying, we got more time. He delay his coming and shall begin to beat the men servants and maidens and eat and drink and be drunken. You don't care about how the people feeling. You're just going to live life the way you want to live it. The sovereign the Almighty of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and an hour when he is not aware. 
and he will cut him asunder and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. Just like that. So all that that you did, you're supposed to be building a spiritual house, but you left it undetended. You start going back to the ways of the world, so I'm going to just cut you off, cut your portion out, and leave you, you know, with the unbelievers. And that servant, which knew his servant's will, he had not prepared himself, neither did he do according to his will. He shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did commit the things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required. And to him men have committed much of him they will ask the more. So whoever is much is given to those are the ones that people are going to go to to ask for more. However, if you've given a lot, it's required of you to do a lot. So be careful what you get yourself into. Because once you start the plow and you start putting your hand to the till and you start tilling in this word and you start living and breathing it, it's going to be accounted for righteousness that you do do that. Because this guy, he was a servant. He was a steward. He was someone as a position. He had people under him. And he didn't he didn't prepare himself to make sure he was ready. So much is required when you start getting a hold of this truth and you start living the truth. And now it's about you not turning away from the truth to do what you want to do. Verse 48. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. Okay. So this part here, you didn't know. You got few stripes. This is ignorance. That's ignorance. Things you didn't know. You're going to be beaten with few stripes. So it's better if he says he despised Moses' law, died without the mercy of two more witnesses. You despise it. You may not have looked at it, but if you have knowledge to look at what Moses said in the law, and you understand what he said and knew concerning those things he said, then it is going to make your walk much lighter. You're going to know better. You're going to be wiser not to be beaten with stripes. Because if you got beaten with stripes, that means that you have done wrong. So we get beaten stripes based on relationships we enter into. He told us not to go this way, but we enter into that way. We get beaten with stripes when we do things not according to his way. We don't seek him. We don't hear from him. We just do what we think is right. Never be right in your own eyes, but get counsel. And um, we always wait and hear from him. 49. I am come to send fire on earth. And what I will, and what will I, if it already be kindled? But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how I am straightened till it be accomplished. Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth, I tell you, nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five in one household, three against two, and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son, the son against the father, the mother against the daughter, the daughter against the mother, the mother-in-law against the daughter-in-law and the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. All these things are going to happen when we try to walk with people that are not walking the walk. So you have to be wise in how you center your life around people that are not in this walk. It will happen. Um, he come not to bring, you know, um, he said he come to send fire on earth. He come to bring peace but a sword. 
so it's going to devour um, things that are not according to the ways in which he has us to walk. But if you be ignorant of these things, yes, you'll be, you're going to go through some things. You're going to be beaten with some stripes. So those are the tough situations that we enter into this walk. And this walk starts when we are baptized. All right. Now, however, you get the Holy Spirit. Now you're walking. Now you're looking for a way in which you must be, you know, you're looking, you're thirsty, you're hungry. So now you have to be, you know, there's a have to be a quench for your spirit to be uh, relieved of being thirsty. And so we're looking for the baptism because he said, drink from the living cistern. Now, the living cistern, he'll always comfort you in everything you have need of. So when we start looking at the word baptism, it is the baptism. This is the definition. Now, you always look at um, several things concerning it because it's good to know. And let me see if I can actually share this on my screen here. I'm going to put this up here. And I'm going to cancel that. Let me go back and pull these things up. But the name, the baptism, um, or baptize, is to, this is definitions we have here. Uh, let me see, members, I believe that's where it is, and it's not here. Let me go to redemption, I think it's here. Salvation, that's where it is, and there we go. So baptism, give a name to. Immerse, dip in water. Uh, be over one's head in debt to be soaked. In Christian, they use the term baptize, to be, uh, uh, to dip, to steep, to dye, to color. Perhaps from, there's a root word, gaba, which means to dip, to sink. So, Christianity, Christian baptism originally is full immersion. Now, we're in the English language, however, how things originate, we always have an etymology of it, we have strong accordance, we can go really deep to find out more of this meaning of this word and how it was done. But let me go ahead and share my screen here and uh, see if we can get this going. Okay. Let me see. Do you all see the screen there? Yes. Okay. All right. So now I'm going to go here, open this up. And so you see baptism there. Um... I'm going to go to the second part where it says an act, experience, or deal by which one is purified, sanctified, initiated, named. A lot of people get names after they're baptized. Uh, very interesting. Um, purification or submergence in spirit. Um, Christian ceremony in which water is put on someone to show that they have become a member of a church. Some people do it for that person. So you probably see a lot of congregations they baptize you every time. If you go that, I didn't know you, so I gotta baptize you again, right? Just to be a member of a, a church. That's not. You see, there's many different definitions for this, but we like to see what the words mean. Just like in the Garden of Eden, when it says Adam to dress the the land, to dress it, to keep it, to dress it. it dress has many different meanings. One could be how you cook and prepare the food. Another could be to till the ground. So, same thing, we just, you know, which definition actually fits 
I always exhaust everything and go into the definitions and see what this is. All right. But we see the verse where it says, I baptize, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, which we talked, away, talked, talked about that earlier. And um, we see that there that usually it's dealing with water. You see it dealing with baptizing, you're dealing with being in the water as we see or as we will see as we read the scriptures. So that's what we see there because it's your witness between heaven and earth. And we know that these three, they bear witness in heaven. The Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Son. And what are the three witnesses on earth? We see that being what? The blood, the water, the spirit. So you have the spirit in your body, you have the blood in there. You also have water, but this water, the baptism, that's your record on earth. Um, once you dedicate yourself to walk in this and not turn. All right. So we're going to start out with the first verse will actually second John 1 19 to 36 and um, let's take a look at there this John 1 19 to 36 because um, everything we do we're looking at the order in which it's done so what is the order of this baptism? How does this thing uh, begin? And we're going to take a look at it because there was a messenger that the father sent, and that was um, Johanna Baptist. That was his cousin, Yeshua's cousin. And so Elizabeth was Mary's cousin, so we see that already is in the family tree there. And then so we start to see the process of time takes place. You see John doing his thing right there and then Yeshua coming to him. And so here we go. Here we go. This is uh, for John chapter 1 and 19. And this is the record of Yon or Yachanan when the Jews sent the priests and the Levites from Jerusalem to ask of him, who are you? And he confessed and denied not but confess I am not the Christ. That's what he said. He already know the intentions of their heart. That's what he said. I'm not him. And they asked him, when are, oh, Who are you? Elijah? And he said, I am not. Aren't you a prophet? And he answered, no. So a lot of people walking around saying they preach, they saying this, and he's like, I ain't, I'm, not, I'm not interested in all that. And they said to him, Who are you that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What save you of yourself? Now, this is what he said. This is this is what speaks humility right here. A lot of people, you know, they want to have a title. They want to be called this and want to be called that. But this, this is what he says, okay? And this is what we know. Honor, what comes before honor? Humility. Look at the humility he's talking about here. He says that, um, he said that I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of Yeshua, the Lord, the Most High, as said the prophet Isaiah. Look at that. Look at that there. Just make it straight. Can we make it straight? Can we make it plain for our people to get some redemption here, some salvation? Can we make it plain? Can we make it straight? Can we do that so that people are not lost? And they which were sent were the Pharisees. We know the Pharisees are always trying to 
you know, have control over the people. Minds. And we see a lot of that happening with our congregations. It's not good that people try to control the way you believe and think. It's not good. All right. And they were sent, which are the Pharisees, in 25, they asked him and said unto him, Why baptize you then, if you not be the Christ or Elijah, neither that prophet? And John, John he said, he answered them, saying, I will baptize, I, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom you know not. He it is, whose coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latch it I am not worthy to unloose. Look at that there. Boy, that, look at that humility there. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, John sees Yeshua coming unto him, saith, Behold the Lamb of Yah, which give, was taken away the sin of the whole world. So, this is the Lamb of the Father. Who was prepared from the foundation of the world ever since Adam sinned? He was prepared. It was a mystery. No one knew that he was Almighty Yeshua. No one knew that, and they still didn't know until they killed him. And that's when Peter said, "What must we do?" He says, "Repent and be baptized." So we're looking at the process of this baptism, and he says, "I knew him not, but he should be made manifest to Israel." Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bear records saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom shall see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, and the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I saw and I bear record that this is the Son of the Father, the Son of the Most High. I saw record, I bear that, I saw it myself. And again the next day, after Johann spoke, he stood with his two disciples. And his two disciples, you know, it took some time to figure that out, but they, you're dealing with Andrew and Peter. Um, Andrew and Peter, um, those were the ones. And so it takes time to see that. Um... But you'll see that when they first find Yeshua. It's very interesting when you see the disciples, how they came together. So in time, we'll go over that too. How did he even come together with the twelve? And the disciples, the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Yeshua. And then Yeshua turned and he saw them following and said unto them, What seek ye that you say unto them, Rabbi? Which is say, being interpreted, Master, where dwelleth you? And he said, Come and see. And they saw where he dwelt and abode them abode with him the next day, for it was the tenth hour. And so every time you see hours, look at those things and see about what's taking place in that, in that time. Because he always tells to watch and pray. So now let's take a look at uh, Acts 18, 25-28. And it was just the beginning of how the Holy Spirit fell upon him. And it came down really gentle, really peaceful. And that's the character of spirit that we're coming in. It was really peaceful, really gentle. So it came down. The way your spirit is, he moves with you. 
So this is really interesting. He says, be wise as serpents, but be gentle as dove. That's the nature. He always talk about us as being the sheep, the flock. He's the shepherd of the sheep. Sheeps, we know, are very gentle. They're not ones to um, really cause hurt or violence to any other animal like that. But let's take a look at this. The sheep, the lambs. He was compared as a little lamb, a little baby. All right. Acts 18, 25-28. Now this man, and this uh, man, he was, um, we'll see this man, I think his name was Apollos, as we read further up. But this man, he was instructed. Many people are instructed in the way of the Lord. Okay? And being fervent in spirit, fervent, passionate, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, the Most High, knowing only the baptism of John. So a lot of us only know the baptism of repentance. We don't have the Holy Spirit. And this is the difference when it comes to the baptism. Um, are you baptized according to the way in which we ought to walk in? Because this is a faith thing. So he only knew the baptism of John. And 26, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue with Aquila and Priscilla and have heard they took him and they they had heard him, and they took him and unto them, and expounded unto him the way of God, the way of the Father, more perfectly. And when he disposed to pass into Archaea, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who, who when he was come, helped them much with which hey, which they which had believed through grace. Okay, for he mightily convinced the Jews. And that publicly showing them the scriptures that Yeshua was Christ. A lot of us have problems with this. Um, Yeshua being Christ or um, the Almighty. Yeshua being the Almighty. A lot of us have problems with that. Big time. They have no idea who he is. And so they say he's just a man. He went up to heaven. But how did he go up to heaven? No man ever went to heaven. So it had to be, it had to be him. He had to be the Almighty in order for him to go to heaven. No one can go to heaven to go and sit on the right hand of the Father unless he was already there. But he expounded on the mighty scriptures and it takes diligent people to do that. Not everybody has that that um, spirit, that fervent spirit, that passionate spirit to instruct in righteousness and how this is really to be believed. Let's take a look at the next chapter in Acts 19, 1, 1 through 9, excuse me. And so... Acts 19, 1 through 9, and it came to pass Apollos was at Corinth. That's the same one we're dealing with. Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. And he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Right? A lot of people are just getting baptized but not receiving the Holy Spirit, even today. And they said unto him, We have not so much heard whether there be of any Holy Spirit. Some people today still believe the same thing. We don't know if that's even real. We see it in the scriptures, but we don't know. It's like Pharisees and Sadducees. Some of them believe, some of them don't. But they still are treating each other, trying to be in Moses' seat, trying to tell people what to do. This is the same thing happening today. Verse 3, And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. 
right? You're baptized. So we know John's baptism is in the water. It is not with washing your hands or anointing it with the oil. That's a whole different process. We know the baptism we see by John. We have not seen any other baptism other than John when you're in the water. And those are living waters. Living waters, you know, like something that is in the earth, living. You know, where fish and creatures are um, living waters. That's where it is. Verse 4, then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, right? Saying unto the people that they should believe in him which could which should come after him, right? That is on Yeshua. Believe in him. Right? Believe on him that come after him. Yeshua, he's coming after him. John Baptist said, I must decrease so that he can increase. Right? So the people are gonna look to him and not look to John. And that's why I asked him, Who are you? When he heard this, they were baptized in the name of who? You see it. There's no other name other than heaven. So when you say baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, we're talking about Yeshua. You know? So we see Lord Yeshua, Almighty Yeshua. We're dealing with that. He's Almighty. All right? So um, there's a difference between now when you see Lord before his name and before you just see Lord. So it's a difference. Before you didn't see Lord, but now you see Lord because he's up in the heavens now. But before you didn't see it, but this is after the resurrection, he almighty with power and everything. Paul understood this, so Lord is before him. So before we just calling on Lord and we would say, Oh, that's the that's the Almighty, that's that's the Father. But no man ever heard the Father, ever dealt with the Father, nor seen his shape, fashion, or form. So he'd been dealing with sure the whole time. He just made his he never made himself manifest until now in the flesh. So that's why John one says the word was with us. But the world did not know him. He he was in the world, but the world did not know him. He dwelled among them, but they, they, people did not know who he was. And so when they found out later on that they killed him, oh, then what must we do to be saved? So you're baptized in the name of Yeshua. And verse 6, it says, When Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them. Just like that. Boom. And they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Just like that. When you got a fire in you, you cannot shut it up. It just go out, boom, boom, boom. Whatever tongue it is, language you know, it's going to come out. Prophesy. Whatever is in you is going to come. Boom, 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 boom. And all men were about 12. And he, were in, he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing, persuading the things concerning the kingdom of the Father. This is Apollos here. Paul is speaking to Apollos. So we start to see this. We start to see how now he says, hey, you just had the baptism of repentance. You never heard of this right here? Let me lay hands on you. Boom. He received it. Now for three months, in the space of that time, he's dealing with the kingdom with everybody. But here's the thing. Well, he realized you can't, you can't, it, you, you, it, we're not to speak to people and cast our pearls on swine. You're just going to be wasting your time. So this is what happened in verse 9. But when diverse, when diverse, when many are different, they were hardened. When, when diverse were hardened, diverse doctrines, people, they didn't believe. They believed not, but spake evil what they, of that way before the multitude, he departed from them. 
and separated the disciples disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. That's why, you know, he says the two more are together and you go out, don't carry no script, don't carry nothing with you, but if people don't receive you, kick the dust off your feet and keep going. Don't keep trying to convince people, persuading people to the things concerning the kingdom when you know it perfectly. That's why he would expound it on it perfectly by Aquila and Priscilla. Now he went to Paul, got laid on, got the Holy Spirit, and he's perfect in it. Because very few people make it, they search out the scriptures diligently to actually know what it is they're supposed to do and how to live it. So when you see that, you're going to see people melting in their seats because um, they're going to want to persecute you. They want to make trouble with you. They're not going to like you. Because you're questioning things that they have been doing, and by habits, people don't want to change. So that is what you're going to encounter, and the persecution counted for all righteousness. That's your treasure in heaven. Let's take a look at uh, Romans 6, because we were baptized unto his death. And we didn't know what that is, what that means, being baptized unto his death. Um, in this life... You know, you're baptized. And he says, to do this remembers of me when you eat of the Passover. Okay? So if he died, the day that he died is the Passover. And you take this unleavened bread and you take this wine, he does remembers me. So I would say, you know, a lot of people want to do this. They call it Holy Communion. They call it Eucharist. Whatever it is. But he said, do this remembers of me. And so when did he, if you look at the things, the events of time, to do this, when would that be? It would be the day that he died, the Passover. It possibly would be the day that you were baptized. You're doing it in remembrance of him. That's what he did. He was baptized. You're doing it in remembrance of him. This is the beginning of your crucifixion, right? And so from there, also in the Day of Atonement, you're afflicting your soul up until that hour come. Like when you kill the Passover, you're afflicting your soul. So these are the three times I would consider doing this in remembrance of him. However, you do have people doing it all, you know, probably every week that he come together. But, you know, whatever people do, that's what they do. So this is Romans 6. And uh, I want to get a good look at Romans 6 because when we start looking at, you know, what, what you know, this baptism, all, what did we get baptized unto? You know, what's the purpose of it? Now, this sixth chapter is awesome. Let's take a look at uh, verse 6. Because he paid the price for your life, or his death. So, he is a ransom. You know, he ransomed the wicked. The ransom of the wicked is a reward of the righteous. So, when people do you wrong, the wicked, that's your reward in heaven. Take it. Love it. Take your persecutions. Don't be all bitter about it. That's your treasure in heaven. The ransom of the wicked is a... Is a let me see how it goes. The ransom of the wicked, right, is a reward for the righteous. It's good for them to afflict you. It's good. Counting for persecution. You did you got your hit you got your treasure in heaven. Just don't do evil for evil. Bless them that persecute you. How about that? So what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we? That are dead to sin live any longer therein. Know you not that so many of us were baptized unto Christ, were baptized into his death? Look at that. 
we're baptized into his death, so why not I choose to do this in remembrance of him with the unleavened bread and the wine if I was to do that, right? So I remember him in that. Know you not that when you were baptized into Christ that you were baptized into his death, right? The Passover, right? Therefore, we are bat we are buried with him in by baptism into death. Therefore, we are buried with him by the baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. We shouldn't walk like we were before. Never. You should do your best to walk better than what you were before. Like, be on your best behavior, but this is like you're changing yourself to have everlasting life. That's what you're doing. Less offenses. I'm working hard on my salvation. This is my faith. This is my plan of faith in which I'm going to walk by. I'm dedicating myself to this to change. To get to it. If I don't have this, I gotta increase in that. If I'm not studying to show myself approved, how can I be found a good servant? Well done. How can the Father tell me well done? How? Impossible. We're not looking to change. To be buried with him in the baptism unto death. And to be raised up from dead by the glory of the Father. Should we also work in the newness of life? That means you're changing your way of life. Newness of life is not the same like it was. And so people are going to look at you and say, why are you not doing the same thing we used to do? You're going to go through the persecution. You're going to go through the suffering. So that's the thing. Be careful what, how much you share with others. And so the more you share, the more you be persecuted. And so be ready for it. But you have to endure until the end. And um, everybody's walk is different. And we have to know the fruits. You have to keep your fruits. You have to be in the best uh, behavior at all times. Because people remember you by what you do. Then your testimony is only as good as how you do unto others. Verse 6. Knowing this, that the old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead, dieth no more. The dead have no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto the Father. So you were dead to sin, but now you live unto the Father. Likewise, reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto the Father through Yeshua our Savior. Verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign, upon, reign in your mortal body, that you should obey the lust of the flesh, lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, that you yield yourselves unto the Father and those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto the Father. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. So when you're under this grace, this is like mercy, you know, compassion. This is job. You may have been ignorant, but based on how you treat people, that's what you're going to receive. How you walk is the thing that's going to be given to you. You may go through many offenses until you learn to get it right. That's grace. It's going to take you time to get things right. Grace. It's not rigid, strict. It is grace. It's allowing you to learn because everybody learns differently. But as you're seeking, you're going to get 
this information along this journey, which you need to know to prove out all things to be sanctified in truth. And as you know this, you're going to say, you're going to see and how we look at life. You know, because if you continue, it, it goes like this in verse 15. What then shall we sin? Because we're not under the law, but under grace. The Father forbid. Grace is allowing you to, you know, we don't have a consciousness in, but in the event that you do, you have an advocate to go to. Okay, he knows where you are. He knows the intention of your heart. He knows if you know better, or you're learning to struggle. You're struggling to overcome it. He knows it, and so when you know and you do it anyway, and you are are proven that you know about this very well, there's a difference when you sin willfully from the sin that you do because you feel that uh, you are ignorant. And the big difference between ignorance, what you do by ignorance, and what you do willfully. He knows the intentions of your heart. So we don't want to uh, take this grace for vain. We don't make his name uh, a curse just because it's to our pleasures, our desires. Verse 16. Know you not that whom you yield yourselves servants to obey? His servants are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But the Father be thanked that you were servants of sin, but you have obeyed the heart, that form of doctrine that was delivered to you. So, are you a servant of sin or that doctrine? Are you a servant of that doctrine that you receive that was delivered to you? Now, who do you serve? And that's where we have to be made free from sin and free from doctrines. That's why he says, beware of the doctrines of men. Do you serve sin or do you serve the doctrine? Now in verse 18, when you are free from sin, you become the servants of righteousness. Free from doctrine, doctrines, you become servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members, servants, to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, these are wrong doings, evil doings, wrong, even so now you yield your members, Servants to righteousness unto holiness. There's a distinction. When you're getting your sanctification, you are sanctifying yourself to walk one way. And so he seals his servants with the Holy Spirit to walk in this path. And so those who are striving for righteousness, it is up to us to ask for increase that we may receive the Holy Spirit to put a separation, a breach in our souls from walking in darkness. But you always have an option to do that. It's really where you will yourself to go. For when you were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit have in you in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. So anything that is not life is sin. If it's not, you know, life is not giving you life, it's not something that violates the law. Then you're good, you're free. But now being made free from sin, you become servants of the Most High, and you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Now the wages of sin is death, but the gift of the Father, it is eternal life through Yeshua, our Savior. So this Romans 6 was a complete solidification of this way in which we are baptized. 
it is um, important that you know a lot of us um, we know that this baptism is taken in remembrance of Him to walk in the newness of life, not as many have taught to just you know learn these statutes commandments. You 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 learn them along the way, but this is a newness of life. You're being forgiven of the old life, whatever you have done. You're walking in this newness of life. So now we take a look at Ephesians 5, 25 through 29. Okay. Because in this walk, you know, when two come together, how does it come together unless it be agreed? It's important that a man and woman knows how to walk together. So in this walk, he made man the head. And this is the order, man, woman, child. And so we see in verse 25... We see that husbands love your wives. And we see in um, 23 that the husband is head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. So he says, husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ has loved the church, he gave himself for it. That you might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. And he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to have loved their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. How about that? Just like Christ, if he loved the church, he loved the church so he laid down his life for his church. That's why he died for us. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh but nourisheth it and cherisheth it even as Christ Yeshua Lord Savior loved the church even as he the church so we are all members of his body of his flesh and of his bones because we are all coming together and so when you see the last verse it's 31 I'm going to go ahead and read this part and so it says, For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. Look at that. When you become one flesh, that is your report of faith. This is um, this because you're talking about the salvation of your soul, the flesh. So the flesh is the body. The body has to live forever. So the flesh has a soul, and the soul has a report with the Most High that it has to obtain. And so... We start to look at this because two become one flesh. Then we're looking at this report also with the Heavenly Father. And so there's a mystery, this great mystery that he speaks concerning the church. And so with Christ, when he speaks about this, he says, um, we are to love our wives as ourselves. When it comes to man being head of the house, um, we start to see how also the woman reverence her husband. But all these things are done with knowledge when you are entering to this covenant and we do this by way of baptism because you're walking a new walk and you're going to make a vow an allegiance that you're going to serve the Father with all your heart all the days of your life and so without that we don't have a way in which we're coming before him if we're asking anything other than being um, even the uncircumcision they're being baptized so whether you circumcision, whether we of the covenant or not of the covenant, the baptism is given to both. And so we see this as a, a mutual thing here. Let's take a look at Hebrews 10. 
And in Hebrews 10, uh, we went there earlier today. But this portion of it, we want to take a look at this faith portion. We'll start at 19 through 23. And so let's take a look at faith in Hebrews because it does require faith when we're on this walk. And um, what does it says in terms of this new and living way in which we are dedicated to him? So, now, we know that through his death is the remission of sins, that is, it's canceled out against you, and that's what the baptism does. It is a remission of sin, just like when you take the Passover, remission of sin. He's clearing your guilt. Each year of the Passover, he's clearing your guilt at the, at the baptism. That's why he says in verse 17, And their sins and iniquities I remember no more. There's no more offerings for sin. So in 19 he says, Having therefore, brethren, the boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Yeshua, by a new and living way, in which he consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say his flesh. And having the high priest over the house of the Father. Now he's the high priest. And that's what we're dealing with here. If he's our high priest, then what do we go to him for? Trespasses and sins. Anything that needs to restore us with good favor before the Father. Before we go to Father, you know, don't go to the Father. And you know, leave that what you do at the door and um, make it right with your brother. And confess to who it is that you have trespassed with and, and confess it before him. And once he clear you, you have access to go to the Father. So this is a new and living way that we are consecrated, that he has consecrated for us. So we're going to look at this word consecrated. And this is the second part that we're going to go over. Consecrate. To make a declare sacred for a certain ceremonies or rites. Dedicated to a sacred purpose to set apart for holy use. Dedicate to the Father, to God, the Most High, to officially make something holy and able to be used for religious ceremonies, to induct a person into a permanent office with a religious right, to ordain the office of bishop, to devote a purpose with or as with deep solemnity or dedication, to make inviolable or venerable, devote, dedicate, hollow, mean to set apart for special and offer higher end. Devote is likely to imply compelling motives and often attach an objective. So what is the objective? To set something apart for holy use. So this sacred use, this ceremony is to consecrate. So he says here, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say his flesh. So his flesh is the way which we are set apart for him. So when we say the Passover, that's the way he consecrates you. Okay, he's making use for you to become into the kingdom when the baptism is that's a use in which you're coming through him to the Father. His flesh. So when we look at his flesh, what is his flesh? He says, Eat my flesh, drink my blood. What is his flesh? So he says, um, this is what, you know, a lot of people, um, and um we could actually let me see here how far I'm gonna go now with this one. This is Hebrews 10 and 23. So I'm going to go to his flesh because um, 
I just want to make sure this is clear here. And um, so in verse 21, having a high priest over the house of the Father, let us draw nigh with a true heart, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. You see that right there. Okay, your body's washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And always let us, let us consider it to one another to provoke unto love and good works. Um, that's something that may be a struggle depending on the situations you enter into where people are somewhat of a struggle. But if you overcome, you endure to the end, um, it's all good. It's all good. And sometimes you have to get away, come back, and um, get things right. It's all good. So we're going back here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and open it up right now. Any questions? Because so far we we have covered some ground here. And let me see. We're almost halfway. No, we're not halfway. Almost halfway. Well, this is just the baptism. Because we need to really look at this baptism, see where we're going with it, and what is required and what is done with this baptism. Is it different from consecration? What is it? But he says he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, say, his flesh. So his flesh was consecrated for us to go. He made holy his flesh. So when we say his flesh, what is that? What does that look like? Any questions? take a look at um, we have this verse here and um, there's two places but just want to expound on this part here and so if we look at let's take a look at John and in John we're just going to wait a little bit and we'll come back this is John 6 right John 6 51 through uh, let me see 56 I want to say Something like that. Let's take a look at this flesh he talked about. Because a lot of people, they walked away from him sorrowful. They didn't want to follow him. And a lot of people were following him at first. But after this, they didn't follow him. Any. A lot of people walked away from him. All right. Now, I'm going to start at 48. He says, I am the bread of life. Right? Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give to him is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Yeshua said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. How about that? Right? You ain't got no life in you. So what is this he talking about? So he says here, Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life. Right? That's why he says to them, We're going to see that next in Matthew. He'll drink anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Yes, we do this to the day of his coming. He eat whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood have eternal life. I will raise him up at the last day. You're going to see that in there at least four more times. 
this this thing we're talking about, eat of my flesh and drink my blood, what is this? So he says, for my flesh is meat indeed, my blood is drink indeed. Verse 56, he that eateth my flesh, drinketh my blood, dwelleth in me and I in him. Right? You have no part with me, you workers of iniquity. You don't take of this cup and drink of and eat of this bread, this flesh. When is the Passover he's talking about? And so anytime you do this, do this remembers me, the baptism I'm talking about. And so at the time he was afflicted, he made atonement for us when he was alive. That's what he's talking about. When you go through the same sufferings he go through, that's what we're dealing with here. So he that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood, he dwelleth in me and I in him. And as a living father, that's why he purged you every year, Passover, renewing your baptism. As a living father have sent me, I live by the Father, so he eateth me, even even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. How about that? So, he is the word. And the word was made flesh and it dwelt among us. That's what we're dealing with. Now, verse 63, it is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh, profiteth nothing. The words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But some of you that believe not, for Yeshua knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and they, who should betray him. He already knew. And he says, Therefore I say unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him by my Father. So, that's how that works here. And we're looking at this because when you are coming and you're looking at this way in which he says to eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, and we have no idea that's connection with him at the Passover, which Christians call it the Last Supper. Let's take a look at Matthew 26 and take a look at this here. Matthew 26 and 26. So, and as they were eating, Yeshua took the bread and broke it. He blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples and take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks, and he gave it to them. Say, drink ye all of it, for this is the blood of my test, the blood of the of the new testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. We see the same thing with the baptism, right? But I say unto you, I will not drink it henceforth the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. How about that? That's why you have no life with me, because you're not going to be in Father's kingdom, because you don't do this. And the day that he dies the Passover, he always says for us to come three times a year. Okay? Three times a year, Passover, which is connected to the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We have eight days there. We also have a Feast of Pentecost. We did seven weeks. We have a Feast beginning, Feast of First Roots, and then we have Feast of the Weeks, the end of the weeks. And then we have the, the beginning of the Feast of Tabernacles, seven days, and then we have the eighth day, three times a year. Now, besides that, we do have coming up, uh, we'll go over that most likely next week. We have coming up, or maybe we can fellowship in the beginning, in the middle of the week, to go over the times of the seventh month, when that time is coming. So, um, in the seventh month, we do celebrate the beginning of the month, 
which is the seventh month, and then ten days later is the Day of Atonement. That's the affliction. Because he was afflicted. He afflicted. He was on affliction for our souls um, that whole day. So, the 14th day he was afflicted, and that's where we are uh, looking at that time he was afflicted. And so, we are afflicted the same way in that manner. All right. Let's take a look back at where we uh, left off, and let's go down to Ephesians 4, 1 and 9. The whole thing about this is to prove out these things so that no one um, takes your crown. No one can take your crown. You know exactly what the verse says. It's impossible for you to be deceived. If it were possible. Nah, because you proved it out. You searched it out. That's what we do here. We build the house of faith. And um, you live by that. Ephesians 4, 1 through 9. All right. So Paul is talking here. He's a prisoner of the of Yeshua. He's a prisoner. And so he knows that. Most of us are prisoners. You know, he purchased you. With the blood, he bought you, he purchased you by friends. So your prison to do was right. You're not going to do things against your foot. You're not going to do things against the spirit. So, according to the spirit, that's how you live. Beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation. This is your profession wherewith you are called. With all lowliness and meekness and with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Remember not to become vain or become proud or lifted up around each other. With all lowliness meekness, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That's what we have to remember. It may be difficult sometimes with different people. But we have to remember to keep that unity, the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, as you have called as you are called on in one hope of your calling. One Savior, one faith, one baptism, one name. One everything. One Elohim, one Almighty, and Father of all. One who is above all, through all, and in you all. Like there's no difference in anyone having something different, saying anything different. One baptism, one faith, one most high, that's it, overall. But unto every one of us is given the grace according to the measure of gift of Christ. There you go, that measure of grace is given to you based on your gift, the measure of gift of Christ. So every one of us is given that grace according to the measure of gift of Christ. So according to what you do, you'll be giving it. Everyone has a different measure that they be given grace. You know, your faith according to the measure in which you'll be given things. Wherefore, he says... He that is sent up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now he descended, what is it that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended. What does it say that he went to hell first? Right? But he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. The same one, Yeshua. Okay, and so he he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, 
the work of the ministry and the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of the Father unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature and the fullness of the fullness of Christ. How about that? You want to come not be children anymore. You want to come to the fullness of him as a saint. At the most high. Because the saints shall judge the earth. And so what is a measure of faith that we're building at? They will see that we're going to begin this walk and finish it. What does that look like? And so I just ask everyone to build out your report of faith so that you can present it one of these weeks. Present it and continue to build on it. How you see that which you live by. What do you live by for the salvation of your soul? Build that out. Back it up with scriptures. Put it together so the foundation is built strong. So if anyone come to you, it is impossible for you to be deceived. You know how to um, deliver others from, from the situations because you know this walk very well. And so every Shabbat, we ought to present ourselves, be ready to present. And how we present, we do all things by faith. And this is a house of faith. We ought to be talking about things pertaining to faith. Let's take a look at uh, Colossians 2.16. And this is how we're walking faith. We need to look at this walk of faith. Colossians 2 and 6. Colossians 2 and 6. And see about this walk of faith. What does it look like? As you have therefore received Christ, Yeshua, the Lord, the Savior, so walk you in him. Rooted and built up in him, establishing the faith you ought been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through vain philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men and the rudiments of the word of the world, not after Christ. There's things in the world, there's doctrines of men that people do, people say all the time, but they're not living according to what we see in the word. They're living according to the doctrines of men. So we're we're here to build up the most holy faith. We're not here to pull each other down or to follow others that lead others astray. So we see here, for in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead, the Elohim bodily. And in you, you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom you are crucified with the circumcision made without hands, in that putting off the body of sins, the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So when you're baptized, you are choosing to walk in him. If you are circumcised, Christ was circumcised. So you're choosing a faith in which it is of the circumcision. This is made without hands. Putting off the body of sins of the flesh to walk in the life of newness. So in verse 12, you being buried in the baptism, buried with him in the baptism, that's how we remember him. Being buried, this is the beginning of the walk. Wherein you also are risen with him through the faith and the operation of the Father who have raised him from the dead. How about that? 
And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, have he quickened together with him, having forgiven you of your trespasses. Now he's also blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And he spoiled principalities, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a shoe of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man judge you in meat or in drink, respect of an holy day, or new moon, or a Shabbat, Shabbat Sabbath days. So, let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility of worshiping angels, intruding into those things which have not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which the body of all joints and bands having nourishment ministered, knit together, increaseth with the increase of the Father. So, the head being Yeshua, we are dealing with these things. We're not dealing with any other worldly influences that other people bring about. All right. So, we see this is a walk when you are baptized. This is the walk in which we ought to walk, how we ought to come before him. All right, let's take a look at, um, I'm going to, I think right here, I'm going to take a look at Hebrews. I'm going to skip down to Hebrews and go into the consecration because um, right now we've spent about an hour here just on the baptism. There's more to come. However, I'm going to go ahead and conclude this baptism part and go into the consecration. Um, Hebrews 6, when we see a lot of this, it's going to like, really put things in perspective the Hebrews 6 the doctrine of the baptism this is really uh, really important here therefore leaving the principles and doctrine of Christ let us go into perfection laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of the faith toward the Father and of of the doctrine of baptisms the laying on of hands the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment and this we will do it if the Father permit. The doctrine of the baptisms. This is what we're talking about. This is the laying on of hands. Receiving the Holy Spirit. Being healed. The resurrection of the dead. Power to quicken the Spirit. And eternal judgment. The saints have all these things that we can do. So this we will do. This will we do if the Father permit us. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened to have tasted the heavenly gift if they were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of the Father and the powers of the world to come. If they should fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing that they crucified themselves, the Son of the Father, Yeshua, afresh, and to put him to an open shame. It is not good to go into repentance and go back and do it again unto repentance. It is not going to be the same. Therefore, um, you despise him. And when you despise him, he did not die for that. You're actually going to have blood on your own garment, and you won't be able to enter into the first resurrection. Knowing that you've been sanctified, and you, you've been, once you've been sanctified, you know right from wrong. You're good. He says, sanctify them with the truth. Your word is the truth. And when you get to consecrated, you know better. That's the next thing we're going to get into. This consecration. You know what you're doing when you're getting consecrated. Because you have an office of fulfillment of a duty you must do. So, uh, let's, let's see here. 
We're going to take a look at 17 through 20, and this should be it here. So, wherein the Father, willing more abundantly to shew us the heirs of the promise, immutable by his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it were possible, impossible for the Father to lie, that we might have a strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold on hope set before us, which hope we have an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into within the veil, within that veil, whither the forerunner is for us, even Yeshua, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And like we read earlier, his veil is his flesh. So when we eat his flesh, we're coming before him. Um, on these days, for the entire year on the Passover, whether it be at the baptism, daily unleavened bread, we're coming before him through this veil because one time a year, we, you know, the high priest would go once a year to do this for the sins of the people once a year. So we're doing this once a year. Um, and so this, this is the hope that we have to anchor our souls with, to be steadfast that we are in the order of righteousness according to what the Father has said, that he will not lie, that we have strong consolation to have this promise being given to us of eternal life. So this is through way which, um, this is the promise which he gave Abraham, that he swear that his seeds shall be blessed through him. And this is the way. The way starts with the baptism. So just wanted to um, end it there. And then, as we had read, the consecrate. Now we can go into consecration and see what the consecration is about. Because as we read, and I'm actually I'm actually um put a pause here. Because before I talk about anything regarding consecration, I would like to know if there is um, any questions concerning baptism first. No. Any questions? No. no. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's the baptism. And now for consecration, uh, let's take a look at this definition again. I believe that um, anything we do is not hidden. So it's, it's everything's revealed. And we see where it says consecrate in the new, but also let's look at the definition and see what this is all about. Because he consecrated... Um, for us to enter into the veil, which is his flesh. And we see what his flesh is all about and what we are here to do with that. So he said this, when you say, when we re-consecrate, is to make, declare sacred. So is his body not sacred? Is it not set apart for us as holy use to dedicate unto the Father? He has been made dedicated to the Father because he is high priest over us. So he's consecrated as a high priest over us. That's the veil. To make officially... Officially, to make something holy, to make us holy. Christ makes us holy. And we're able to use and able to be used as religious ceremonies. Our religious ceremony is the Passover, is the baptism, is the Day of Atonement, is these feasts. To induct the person to a permanent office, but in, in reference to his 
being the, his body being the flesh, we see that at the Passover, we see it at the David, we see it at the um, the baptism. We see that it's clear, it's very clear. To devote the purpose with or as if deep solemnity, solemnity, or dedication. So these things are dedication. The baptism is dedicated. It allows us to be dedicated unto Him. His body in which we're baptized unto. We're baptized into His death, into His body, His flesh, that we walk in the newness of life. That's what's consecrated for us. That's how we can go to the Father, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not a requirement for us to be baptized to receive it, but it is there. He died. He paid the price that we may receive the Father, that we may receive the Holy Spirit from our Father. So, now, consecrate. Now, there are things that we see in this definition that also relates, relates to a permanent office, a religious right, to ordain an office of a bishop, to devote a purpose with deep solemnity, dedication. So just like the apostles, we see there was an office given to them. All right, let's take a look at Acts 1. It's not even in here, but I'm just go there real quick. Because there was one of the one of the apostles betrayed Yeshua. And we see that that was um Judas, right? And they they cast lots to see who would receive his lot. And there was a guy called Mattathias. And so he was with them from the beginning of the baptism, and that's how he received the lot as the one of the twelve. And we see that in Acts one. Let's take a look at verse twenty. Now I'm not gonna go into the ones before that, but we'll see here we're talking about Judas. Because we see in eighteen when he took the money, they took the money that Judas had and he purchased a field of blood. And that field of blood was where he was, where he, um, where he felt, it says in verse 18, falling headlong, he burst asunder in the mist, and his bowels gushed out. We're talking about Judas there. So in 20 it says, For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his habitation, let his habitation be desolate. Let no man dwell therein. But, and his, bishop, his bishopric let another take. That's his office. When you, you get consecrated to an office. Let another, let another take. That was his dedication. He was supposed to take that for the rest of his life. He didn't. He didn't. The other 11 stayed in. Let's see what continues. Wherefore, these men have accompanied with us all the time that Yeshua went in and out among us. This man, whoever was with him and, and there was with them from the beginning of the baptism, yeah, we're looking for those men. We're not looking for anybody just to come and take his office. We're looking for those that have been around from the beginning of the baptism of John until the same day he was taken up from us must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection and they appointed two Yosef and but called Barsabbas and surnamed Justice and Mattathias okay and they prayed and said you most high yes you are you, which know the hearts of all men, shew us whither these two you have chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. 
And they gave forth their lots, and lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. He is the twelfth apostle now. So we see he was consecrated. This is a consecration. Because when we see an office, it, it relates to an office. It's consecration. And we want proof of that. Let's start out in Exodus 28. We want proof of this. When a man get consecrated, get consecrated for what? That's his office. Like Yeshua, his body, his flesh, that's his office as a high priest. So let's look at this consecration here. Something dedicated to being set apart. Exodus 28. And let's take a look at verse 3. Okay. And you shall speak all that are wise-hearted, and I have filled them with the spirit of wisdom, and they shall make Aaron, Aaron's garments, and to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. How about that? That they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him. That's his garments for this priest's office. So, let's take a look at uh, same chapter, verse 41. Get another witness. And you shall put them on Aaron and a, your brother and his sons with him, and shall anoint them and consecrate them, sanctify them, that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. This is their charge. This is their office of service to consecrate, to set apart, to make holy. These garments is going to be for your service. Let's go one more chapter over to Exodus 29 and look at verse 9 and 20. Anytime you see consecrate, we're going to see how something's being set apart for use of service. To who? Usually to people. Verse 9, And you shall gird them with girdles, Aaron and his sons, and shall put bonnets on them, and the priest's office shall be theirs for a perpetual statue. And you shall consecrate Aaron and his sons. Consecrate them. They had to be consecrated. By who? Moshe. He had to consecrate them. And he says before them, you're going to take this mitre, put it upon his head, this crown upon the mitre, and you shall take anointing oil, verse 7, and pour it upon his head and anoint him. And you shall bring his sons and put coats on them. And you shall gird them with girders around in the sons and put the bonnets on them. The priest's office shall be theirs for a perpetual statue. They shall consecrate around his sons. This is all about the service in the priest's office. Consecration is relating to the office. Let's take a look at Leviticus 8 and 23. All right, and he slew it, and Moshe took of the bread and broke, took of the blood of it, and he put it in the tip of Aaron's ear, and upon the thumb of his right hand, and the great toe of his right foot. This right here is a consecration that is done usually in the beginning of the month. Okay, Every, well, actually, the beginning of the year, they do this here. They consecrate the priests, and so. You see it all read up from verse six all the way on down how their 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 garments are made for them for the priest's office 
And in order for them to start the service of the office, this is what they have to do. They have to go through this consecration rite. And so it's taking the blood of the ram. It's called the ram of consecration. They have to take a ram. This is a male a male sheep, a ram. They're taking this ram, and they're taking the blood of that ram and putting the ears, putting the blood upon the ears, the thumb of the right hand, of the right side, the right ear, the right thumb, and the right toe. This is a consecration and the oil. So this is a consecration process. This is a ceremony that is taking place for their office to dedicate them for this use. Take a look at Exodus 30. Exodus 30, 18 through 21. These are just eyewitness examples. Everywhere you see consecration, we're just taking a look at it. You're dedicated for a service. You're being set apart for use. Consecration, Exodus 30. And you shall not run in the sons to consecrate them, that they may minister to me into the priest's office. Okay. This is Exodus 30 and verse 30. Um, I'm take a look at 18 and 21. So in 18 it says, You shall make laver of brass, and his foot also of brass, to wash withal. And you shall put it between the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar. And you shall put water therein. And Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet thereat. And when they go into the tabernacle of the congregation, they shall wash with water that they die not. When they come near my altar to minister, to burn offering made by fire unto Yah, the Most High. So you see they wash their hands and their feet that they die not. This is a perpetual statue. This is a statue for them forever, throughout their generations. Now, this is for them under the Levitical priesthood. This is not for anyone but those of this priesthood here. So, they did wash their feet, their hands and their feet with water. And so, there's also a custom when you come to uh, one's house in our land, in our land of our ancestors, that we do wash one another's feet. That was a custom. So, you see also Yeshua doing that the day that he died, um, this washing of feet. And so, this is about coming together. And, uh, but this right here is before you go into the tabernacle. Wash your hands to your feet. You know, be clean. This is what's cleaning you. All right. Let's take a look at uh, the office, the way in which they have walk, that consecration. But let's look at like, look at um, John 13 and 5. See what was done here. And Yeshua, when he washed them with his, when he washed their feet. And he also poured water in the basin. And he began to wash the disciples' feet. So you see, it's not the same as the baptism. When you're washing the feet or washing the hands, it's not the same as the baptism. All right, let's take a look here. This is John 13. All right, third and John 13. Was he them? Uh, let's take a look here. That's the thing. That that's what you know. A lot of people, a lot of people are like, you know, where they, because the thing is, when we look at consecrating, that's the thing we have to look at. Yes, let's take a look at this. Now, 
before the feast of the Passover, I'm going to start at verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, Yeshua knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of his world unto the Father, having loved his own which he were which were in the world. He loved them unto the end. Now the supper being ended, the devil now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Now knowing the Father had given all things into his hands, that he was come from the Father and went to the Father. He rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And he put and, he, and that after that he poured he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wiped them with the towel wherewith and he was girded. Then cometh to Simon Peter and Peter said unto him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Yeshua answered and said to him, What I what I do, you know if not now. Right? You don't know now what I do. But you shall know thereafter, right? And Peter said unto him, So after something's going to come, but you don't know. So this is interesting here. And you were on it. Peter said unto him, You shall never wash my feet. Yeshua answered him, If I wash you not, you have no part with me. Look at that. Now Peter said to him, not only my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Uh, Yeshua said to him, He that is washed needed to save. He that is washed. If you washed, you've been baptized. He that is washed needeth not to save wash his feet, but is clean in every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. Because he knew that was one to betray him. For he knew one should betray him, therefore he said, You are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet, he had taken his garments and was set down again. And he said unto them, Know you not what I have done unto you? You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then be your Lord and Master, and I have washed your feet, and you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy you are if you do them. I speak not of, not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me have lifted up his hill against me. Now I tell you before it come, when it come to pass, ye might believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I sin receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. So when Yeshua said this, he was troubled in spirit. He testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. How about that? How about that? So what do you think now? Was he just showing them how to be servants? 
And yeah, I mean, he took time. This is something he knew that he was going to be taken out of the world. He knew he was going to leave and not be with them anymore. But he knew that his time is coming to an end, and he did something different here. He washed their feet. Now, I'm sure he kept the Passover before, but this Passover was the last one where he washed their feet. But also, he did something different, too. He says, do this in remembrance of me. He gave them the bread, which is his flesh, and he says, take of the cup, which is the wine, the blood, for remission of sins. Very different from what any other Passover he had done before. This is the last, what was it called, supper, the Passover, the last Passover. But, you know, he has his face in here, he put water in it, and he washed their feet. And he says, you ought to also wash one another's feet. So that's something to go into. Peter said, wash my hands and my head. He said, you already clean. You already been washed. You've been washed. You've been baptized. So what have you need to be washed for? But your feet. So what is about the feet, though? Now, what he do in the physical is always representing something, representing something spiritual. Always. But he says, you're going to know about this after. You're going to know about this later. You don't know what I do now, but you're going to know about it later. Okay, since so it's pertaining to the feet, does it have to do with, like, um, your walk? Does it symbolize your walk? Yeah, it's about peace. Paul was talking about it being your gospel of peace. Wherever you go, watch and warn. You know, keep your feet clean. Your hands, keep your hands clean. Keep your feet clean. Don't be workers of iniquity. Don't go this way. Make sure wherever you go is clean. Like you're walking to the tabernacle, but you are the tabernacle. Keep it clean. So just like the priests will have a, a basin of water, they wash their hands and their feet before they go into the temple, this is your feet in which you're greeting and representing one another. Wash one another's feet. Keep each other clean. As I've done for you, do for one another. This is love. No servant is greater than his Lord, neither he is greater than he that sent him. The Father not greater than him, he not greater than him. And then if he's serving you, you not greater than him, he not greater than you. This is the faith that we're looking at. So if you have this understanding, that you have no issue with pride. You have a self, you have a confidence in yourself. This is your faith right here we're talking about. Your faith, confidence, in, and your faith is going up, but you know your place. You know that I'm not greater than you, so I need you, because I'm not greater than you. It doesn't matter what we think we know. What matters is what we do together. Something we can like go over when it's talking about how beautiful are the feet those who preach the gospel of peace. Like, what exactly is peace? Because um, I know Yeshua. I know before he left, he was saying, "I leave peace with you, but not the peace that the world gives you." So, what peace? What peace is he talking about? Yes. So let's look at Ephesians six, and then we can go into Romans ten. And so, 
But basically, peace. How do we come with one another? You know, peace is how we use, it's all how we deal with situations. Situations come, many offenses come, but it's how we deal with it. You know, are we obedient to him to have peace? What is the way he's to live peaceably with all men? How can we do that? Like we have to look at the common denominator of what brings about peace. So we take a look at Ephesians 6 and 15, I think it is. So he says, and before we go into that, you remember, I'm sure you remember in Ephesians, it talked about the whole armor, this armor of salvation, the whole armor of the Father. So if you, in 13, wherefore take with you unto you the whole armor of the Father, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done well to stand, right? This is your peace. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, right? Having on the breastplate of righteousness. Even though you have the truth, you know others don't. Be wise as a servant, be gentle as the dove. We have to have precepts for all this stuff. It's saying stuff, but you just can't beat people up with your truth. Wisdom, it takes time to acquire. We got to pray for that and how to handle these ourselves in situations. Um, having the breastplate on righteousness, that's courage, that's strength. That you got to do what's right against all odds. Because in the end, you're going to have peace for that. And your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know what's right. Do what's right. So wherever you go, you're not going to go places that are going to put you in situations. You're not going to be in there too long to where you're going to suffer. Or you're going to make mistakes. Keep making mistakes. How long are you going to go through the same mistakes until you just are not, you don't have peace. So your peace is broken when you keep doing the same thing over and over and over. That's why he gives us signs. And he says these situations, they are your stripes. When you're ignorant, you get least stripes. You get beaten. And you're like, hey, I don't want to go through that no more. So I know the way of peace. I depart from evil, right? That's peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith. That faith is everything. That's going to prevent you from going here, there, and keeping you focused. The faith. Where will you, you shall be quenching all fiery darts of the wicked. The helmet of salvation. Your mind got to be fixed on Yeshua. I mean, you got to be able to endure to the end. And then you got the sword. What comes out of your mouth? The word of the Father. Praying always in prayer, supplication of the Spirit. Watching thereunto with all perseverance, supplication for all his saints. And so this is the mystery of the gospel. When you open your mouth, how do you entreat people? That you may be able to speak boldly as you ought to speak when it comes to the truth. Letting people know what it is. So we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, against principalities, but spiritual wickedness, darkness in high places. That's what we have to be able to see through. And um, we're living life by that. Not doing things with being men pleasers, eye service, you know, going tit for tat, doing things as the world does it. We're not doing that. So it's the spirit in which we conduct ourselves. The fruits of righteousness. The fruits of love, patience, humility. But most important is how we communicate with one another. How we make things happen. So in Romans 10.15, let's take a look at there. 
see if that does anything here for us. So whether it be circumcision or uncircumcision, there's no difference between how you walk in peace or how you believe. No difference. That's in verse 12. But in 13 it says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call upon him in which they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him which they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. That's their job. He says, you don't know what I'm doing now, but you'll know later on what you're going to do. Because when you preach this gospel, it's going to be peace. And bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not obeyed the gospel. Isaiah said, Lord, who have believed our report? So some of the people that you go to are not going to believe that. And you just keep dust off your feet and you keep going. So then faith coming by hearing, hearing the word of the Father. There we go. But I say, have they not heard? Verily, their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the end of the world. That's what we have to do. The gospel of peace has to go to the end of the world. We're in a light that shines, and we have to let it be known. So the gospel of peace is in your feet and how you deliver it. How about that? You remember when you were talking about the harvest? You're saying, oh, now we know who is he talking about when concerning the harvest when he says the laborers are few, but the harvest is plentiful. But there were certain people he was talking about. There's few people coming with the gospel of peace. Few people walking with this. One where um, uh, you focus on faith and charity and mercy and you work miracles and you serve people and feed the sheep. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. You said faith, charity, mercy, and you were talking about the sheep. Yeah, where you where you work the, where you work miracles and you um you heal and you you know you feed the sheep. That's the gospel of peace. Well, those are well. The gospel of peace is you just living a life. It's your life of life. It, it, you don't have to. You know, when you go and plant a seed, a seed is something small. It's not preaching. It's not going to a lot of things with people. It's very small. It's how you go about things with people. Remember, you can sow seed in discord because you're trying to prove something that someone has not learned. It's a way you have to deliver the message. So how do we deliver the message? Someone wash your feet and make sure that when you go out there and deal with the people, you have the the preparation of peace. You've been prepared to deliver the message the right way. Remember when he says, I don't want you to carry no script. I don't want you to carry no change with you. You know, I don't want you to carry nothing with you. But when you go into the house, come with two, yourself and another, and you inquire, go into town, go into the city, inquire who may need to hear this. And when they give you that, go there and see if they receive you into the houses. And when they do, greet them. If they set anything before you, you fine, but um, deliver to them the word. 
that you are to speak with them. That is the gospel of peace. And if they don't receive that, keep the dust off your feet. Keep it going. Don't cause no big dissension, no deal. Don't raise your voice. Don't have, have your voice heard in the streets like that. Don't do that. It is love. It is caring for others. It is patience. It's long-suffering. You're going to get persecuted for the truth. This is what is the gospel of peace. Wherever you carry your feet to, wherever you go and deal with the Holy Spirit. Remember the sin upon Yeshua? It was like a dove, the Holy Spirit. Yes. How is the nature in which you, in which your spirit is? Is your spirit clean when you go places? Did you leave something behind? I need you to be washed when you go before people. Remember this. You know what you you don't know what I do for you now, but later on you will know. Now we seen later on he told him not to leave Jerusalem until they be received with the power from on high. Once they received the power on high. They knew they had to go out and do this work. The Holy Spirit. They were sanctified. So they were in their office. They were consecrated as apostles. So they had the gospel of peace wherever they go. When you're sent somewhere um, to do that, that duty, whatever it is, that's what he's looking for us to do. Okay. You want to get something else concerning peace? Um, I guess that um, kind of explains when he said not the peace that the world gives you. Yeah. See, this peace is an inner peace that when he comforts you, remember he says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit the comforter to give you peace. Actually, let's take a look at that. Right, and we can look at that in John 14, and then we can look at John 16. Let's take a look at that. John 14, and let's go down into um, 26. Okay, so he says here, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. And bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you, peace I leave with you, right? My peace I give unto you, right? Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let your heart not be troubled. Let your heart, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Because that's going to break your peace. Don't think about the cares of the world. Don't worry about that. Trust in me. You have the Holy Spirit. Trust in me. Don't trust in the man. Don't curse the man that trusts in the flesh, but trust in me that I will never leave you comfortless. You have heard, this is all about faith here. This is all about faith. You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again to you. If you love me, you will rejoice because I said I go unto my father, for my father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass that when it is come to pass, you might believe. This is all about faith. Hereafter I will not talk with you much, for the prince of the world cometh and have nothing in me. But that the world might know that I love the Father, 
And as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. So, what do we do? We look for receiving those things to be taught of the Holy Spirit. Because the way of righteousness is to look for the ways of the Father. He says his ways are higher than our ways. So if we're being led by the Spirit, that is peace. When we're looking for the ways of the world, that is enmity against him. It goes against him. So that's why the sanctification, when we, wait, when we do this walk or you do a duty of service, you really are against the ways of the world. Your baptism is your dedication unto him. You're in this walk. Now, for you to have peace, you must really search out his ways. And you're going to go through these afflictions. You're going to go through the trouble. But it's up to us to find out this perfect way and how to walk through it. So, you know, he washed his feet. Now, Peter had denied them three times. But after the resurrection, he says, Peter, feed my sheep. He told it to him three times. Don't deny him. You know something. You got to be able to let it show forth. Now, if you deny him, he'll deny you. Because a lot of times we get afraid. And we said here, you know, we knew Peter wasn't afraid when he denied him three times. You know, so he didn't want to be embarrassed about, or maybe he was afraid about being killed. So he didn't deny it. He said, I never knew him. I don't know him. So we see here, it says, don't be afraid. This is your trust. You're trusting in the Most High here. Just like in Psalms 91, he is your buckler, your shield, your rock, all that. And some. Let's take a look at John 16. John 16. And let me see here. This is John. Let me see. John 16, and we're looking for, this is the same area we left off at earlier. And a lot of times we read something, we'll see it, but we may not relate it to something else. But he says here, this is John 16, and he's always talking about coming from the Father. It's all about the Father giving you peace. Remember that he says, um, I didn't care to bring peace but a sword? In order for us to have peace, we have to be rooted and built up in him. That's our truth. We're at peace with what we're doing. Now, what other people do, that's what they do. And um, you're going to go through persecutions going through it with them. But most importantly is how we deliver his word. How we receive it and how we deliver it. This is about your testimony. Uh, let's skip down to verse 30. Now are we sure that you know of all things needeth not that any man should ask you but this we are we believe that you coming forth from the Father. Now Yeshua says do you now believe? Behold our cometh gaze now come. 
You shall be scattered every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. And that's how we have to be. If we're not looking for the Father to be with us, we're not looking to have perfect peace. So if you're doing things in your body that doesn't allow the Holy Spirit to dwell with you, you're not looking for peace. You're looking for a sword. You got to be cut. You got to be wounded so you can, you know, humble yourself and, and deal with that affliction until you can come through that. These things have I spoken unto you that you might have peace in the world. You shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer as I have overcome the world. So, look for the dwelling of the Holy Spirit to be within you. Look for you doing things that please the Father. Look for that. Look for the things that make you content as to what you have needs of. Look for the things where he says to watch and pray. So, this peace of life, once you have peace, and I find that peace is very easy because once you have a focus and a dedication and then you have a way of life the more we make our way of life closer to the Father oh it's perfect peace it's good you have your work cut out for you you have your spiritual things that you do your body in which you are making sure that you're doing the things you have need of if you have if you have this organization about how your walk is, you have peace. Taking care of the spiritual and physical uh, necessities of life, not neglecting anything, you have peace. So I don't you know a lot of times people just look at the spiritual, always look at both parts. Because the word is cutting you and It's a two-edged sword So it's getting you physical and spiritual So I look at both parts Not neglecting anything in the spiritual and the natural And um, doing those things that please the Father We're alive Alright Let's take a look at um, This is Second Chronicles, let me see, 26.18. I think this here is almost, well, actually, that is, this Second Chronicles 26.18, this really is about remembering what the sons of Ron did. They were consecrated to burn incense. Uh, that's just another witness. I'm going to run down these scriptures pretty quick. They're just witnesses, as you see on the screen. This First Kings 13.33 you see Jeroboam, he returned not from his evil way. He made the lowest of the people priests in high places. And he consecrated them. So you see this is an office. You see Micah, same thing, made an ephod, teraphim, consecrated one of his sons. It is an office, a duty that comes with this. Um, you see Numbers 12, this is a Nazarite. He consecrated his head, his head of separation. So Nazarite cannot they make a vow. They make a vow, they consecrate themselves, they're like priests as well, the Nazarite. They're dedicating their head to never have a razor come upon him, like Samson. So that yeah, this is right here, this is an honorable way of your vow and that you're he's consecrated. 
He set apart for holy use the days of his separation. He's consecrated, whatever that vow is for. John 16, this is Joshua 6, 19. We see that the silver, the gold, the vessels of brass, iron, are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So this here, also consecrated. We, con we consecrate the use of things. Things, the use of it. What's the use or service of it? What's the use of this? A Nazarite, he consecrates his head. For what? The use of the Most High. Okay? So he cannot eat anything that is coming from the vine, the seeds, anything that pertains to it, he cannot eat it. The husk, none of it. So, and he cannot drink wine. And he cannot have a razor to cut his head. He cannot do that. And um, that's a Nazarite. Now, Second Chronicles thirteen nineteen thirteen nine, we see here, we're dealing with the consecration of the Levites. Aaron and Levites, they made priests after the manner of the nations of other lands. Have you cast, cast not, cast not out? Have you not cast out the priests of the Lord, the sons of Aaron, the Levites? Have you made priests after the manner of the nations of other lands, so that whatsoever cometh to consecrate himself with a young bullocks and seven rams. The same may be a priest of them that are, are there are no gods. So, this consecration is usually a duty of service or used for certain things. Um, here's another one, Ezra 3.5. In a continual burnt offering, both of new moons and of all the set feasts, uh, the most high that were consecrated, that, that were consecrated everyone that willingly offer a free will offering unto the Lord so whatever you gave was consecrated except for holy use same thing when Moshe asked for um, people to break off the earrings well not the earrings but whatever gold, silver or anything they had for the temple the temple was consecrated for the use of worship Ezekiel 43-26 seven days they shall purge the altar and purify it. They shall consecrate themselves. These are the priests doing this. Seven days they have a consecration that they do. Micah 4.13 Arise, thresh, O daughter of Zion. I will make thine horn iron. I will make your hoofs brass. You shall beat in pieces many people. I will consecrate their gain unto the Most High and their substance unto the Most High of the whole earth. So whatever it is, their gain, their increase, whether it be money or anything else that's dedicated unto him, he will consecrate that and make that holy unto him for that for that use. <laughs> Hebrews 7 and 28. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity. But the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the son who is consecrated forevermore. We know he is consecrated. He is consecrated that forevermore. And so um, we see now in Hebrews 10.20, as we read earlier, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. Okay. He was consecrated for us as high priests, for us to come through the veil to make atonement for sins, to, you know, for forgiveness of guilt each year. And so usually the consecration is a use of service or something to be used or set apart for some use for dedication to the Most High. And you don't take that back. Once you give it, it's done. So, 
just like Judas, he was consecrated. The disciples, they were, um, they had their lots. Their lots were their altars. They were charged to do this. So in your profession of faith in which you live, if you decide to take an office to be dedicated, you'll be consecrated for that office. Um, and that will be all the days of your life. That's your dedication to the Most High. You wouldn't do something that you wouldn't fulfill yourself to finish. So any questions on consecration and um, baptism and how these things are uh, different? So since consecration is just for the office positions, but when you go when we go to the people and preach this gospel of peace and repentance, we're just baptizing these people and preaching repentance, baptism and the kingdom is near. It's, we're not consecrating them into the covenant or anything like that. No, I mean we who have we who have we any witness of that in what we read in the in the beginning of Matthew to Revelation. I mean, what has Yeshua? I mean, who is the way that who is the one that paid the way for the baptism or the people to repent? Who has paid the way for that? Who's shown us? And, and yeah, who who's prepared the way of the baptism? Who prepared that? And who has? And how many witnesses do we see that this is what they do, all the way to the end? Yeah, where did it begin at, and where does it continue to be acknowledged? I mean, Paul acknowledges, Peter acknowledges, James acknowledges. Who don't acknowledge that that baptism? Have anyone said any different than the baptism about when you are baptized, and then you, when you were, you know, you you baptize this baptism is unto repentance for the remission of sins. It's for the remission of sins. And hopefully you have confessed yourself when you do this baptism. You have confessed all that you've done in the world. And and some may not take time to purge themselves. They just know, I want to get baptized. They have not even had time to even go through their lives and, you know, feel the sorrow for the things that they've done. And sometimes it takes later after they've got into the walk to do that. So this consecration is a two-part thing. We see that is for definition is for the use to make things holy, to set things apart. When the people that give there's money for atonement, the atonement money, that was something for use to be set apart. There's money in the treasury that uh, Nebuchadnezzar had, the drinking vessels, all that stuff. All that was consecrated. Anything in the temple was consecrated. That's not regular use for anyone. That is for use dealing with the holy things. It's consecrated, set apart, it's holy. That's consecration right there. A Nazarite being consecrated, his head is holy. A priest is consecrated, he is holy for the people. His dedication to office is to serve the people. An apostle, your office, any office of service you get into, that is your dedication to serve the people, your consecration. So when they take the oil and they anoint like King David, that was his consecration. He became a king. He was consecrated as king. Same with Saul. He was consecrated as king over all Israel. Anytime you take somebody, you see the oil and they pour it on the head, that consecration taking place. 
You see that in the scriptures a lot. They say, I anoint you, right? They anoint you to do what? To do the work of the Father. That's your office. That's your consecration. That's your calling to do that. Now, when it comes to dealing with people in the world, and people want, and they want to know about the kingdom, do you need a consecration to do that? Do you do that? Now, if you got a dedication on yourself, and you master the walk, and you know about how to go out and deal with the people, um, you're going to have an office now. I mean, because you're graduated from being in jail. You're not a child anymore. You're dealing with people. The minute you start dealing with people, you're not a child. A lot of people start dealing with people and have not knowledge of um, the walk. It's better to get knowledge of the walk sort of dealing with the people because um, what manner of people you deal with, um, you could, you'll learn a lot, but, you know, you, you're your example of if you not have an answer, you're not ready, then, you know, it's just doing things when you're ready, doing things because you know how to go about this walk. So, yeah, but planting a seed, a seed is this light that doesn't take a consecration to plant a seed. You know, giving someone the seed. But when you start to try to go out there and deal with people's issues and how to bring them to the kingdom, when you plant a seed, it's small. And people have to do what they can with that seed. They'll be called, you know, they'll they'll have it within them to take action. It's on you put it on them to take the next step. You're not trying to divulge too much of everything with them in one shot. You're just planting the seed. So we do work with planting seeds. And when it comes to praying for people, have you going out there on a regular and you're doing it weekly, whatever. Like this guy, um, he was giving alms weekly. He had an office. That's his office. I mean, so when you start de doing this and this is your office, who consecrated you? The Most High, you know. These things, you know, you start to see by the Spirit. And if you're blessed, you know, a lot of people are not blessed to have someone that's full of the Spirit to bless them, to impart the Spirit of peace upon them or the Spirit of whatever it is. Because you see Elijah and Elisha. Elisha went to Elijah and asked him the double portion of his spirit because he saw his increase. He saw the Holy Spirit with him. He went double that. He asked him to bless him with that. And he says, if you're able to see me before I ascend, you'll get that. And he received it. He got his mantle, put it around him. He received it. So when you see the Spirit upon people and you know they have it, now you know the ability of receiving that that blessing or that consecration to walk in that office that you see someone else walk in. That's if you're going to show yourself to study to prove to be in the same walk that they walk. That's why Yeshua said, can you be baptized with the same baptism I'm baptized with and drink from the same cup that I drink from? Can you do the same thing? And so they were charged to do that. The twelve, they were charged. You don't know what I do to you now, but you'll know. You'll know in time to come. With the washing of the feet. How about that? So it's okay. The baptism of repentance. That's what John did with the water. With the with. The Holy Spirit, like, 
is it just is it just being baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is already with you. Now, how do I know that? Everything we do, we do by faith, and we see that. So the Spirit is, it's a, I'm not going to explain this. Okay, there's a, the spiritual things you do not see. You can only feel it and witness it. You're, you have to be aware of what it is that you see and feel. You don't, you don't. It doesn't come like you have to be still. You have to be calm. You have to see things as they are. And so certain things are not revealed to others, but by the Holy Spirit. So I know how could that be? How could you do this if the Holy Spirit wasn't with you? You blessed to see that. So I saw the work. I know who's with the Holy Spirit, who has it, and who doesn't. So once you sit with him, like how could this be revealed to this person if not sent by the Father? He lines things up a certain way. And so um, the Holy Spirit is, um, yeah, it's not by the baptism of water. That's why we read earlier, um, Paul said to Apollos, you, you know, he knew about the baptism of repentance in the water by John, but he didn't know about being baptized of the Holy Spirit by fire. That's why John said, there comes one mightier than I am, whose shoes I'm not worthy to lose, but he's mightier than I am. He's going to baptize you with fire, the Holy Spirit. And remember when we talked about Cornelius and um, the Italian band and how they were Gentiles from another nation. They came to Peter, and Peter saw the Holy Spirit fall upon them. And he says, whoa, you know, because when you have the Spirit, you're, 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 you're sitting and walking and observing a different light, and you see things happen. So they start prophesying like this fire within their bones, it just... Whatever they knew come out. It just came out. That truth came out. So when that truth come out, you know you've been filled with that Holy Spirit. It come out like that. Boom. It hits you like that. And you got to do something with that. You got to do something with it. So until you feel that fire come out, you'll know. That fire is going to come out of you like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. You mind getting razor sharp? Okay, this may be a weird question, but uh, I'm being serious, though. So... Uh, it says he's baptizing, like you said, through the fire, with fire for the Holy Spirit. Is that the burning feeling that I'd be feeling in my fingers and stuff? Like, I don't know. Like, what is the fire? Okay. So, you know, when it comes to... You know how... Fire is something that you feel that you have a burning passion. You just must do it. It's something it has to is unquenchable. It keep it's an urgency. It's something that is racing. It's something you feel you must do. But when you have this feeling of it, and you're just like you're around like. You, you, what's, what's going to activate the Holy Spirit? When things come back to your remembrance, right? And when things come back to your remembrance, staring up the Holy Spirit. When you stare up the Holy Spirit, things come out in the multitude. So when we start to, we're going to actually change the way the things are, but I like for us to be grounded first with what we're doing because once we're grounded first, it will just come out. The Holy Spirit will just come out. It will bring all things to your remembrance. You just 
the, you start to prophesy. You start to say into things, and when we speak in that, we're going to another dimension. So the things about the Holy Spirit is about the spirit of life, about all the things that are brought back to your remembrance, about the Word and what it was said, and about the things we're doing in the time we're in, and the things to come. So when you prophesy, what are you prophesying? The times that are at hand, because you're looking at events taking place. Now you got a word for this, a word for that. You got the word of knowledge. You got the word of wisdom. All this coming to you. So that's what this okay. is, this word of, I mean, you know how you are in a place and you're able to, what if all of a sudden everything just made sense? And you feel like, oh, I, all this time, like, I know everything about what's about to take place. But you're delivering in, in a way that it's like, it's like you're pouring out water a whole lot to be received at one time. Holy Spirit, this mighty rushing wind, this clothing tongue of fire, you have the tongue of fire to put out whatever it is, and you're delivering stuff. You're delivering the word of the Father directly. You're pouring out this living, this cistern, something that people can drink from. When in Revelation, Revelation 22, I believe is that. We can go there real quick. Let's look at this right here. Revelation 22. Uh-oh. Revelation 22. I believe it is. Okay, you see where it says in verse 17? And Yeshua says, He sent his angel to testify of you these things to the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. You see where it says in 17? And the spirit and the bride say, Come, and let us hear. Let, let him that hears say, Come. Let him that is a thirst come. Whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. And I testify. Let me see if this is the one. The Spirit of the Bride say, Come and let him hear say, Come. Let him that is a thirst come. Whosoever will, I let him. Whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. All right. So. He says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add to these things, the Father shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away the words of the book of this prophecy, the Father shall take away his part out of the book of life, out of the holy city, from the things which are written in this book. So if you know what's written in this book and you prophesy and it says that these guys, they were speaking in tongues and we see in Acts they were clothing a fire, this mighty rushing of of what, when you drink something, we're talking about the prophecy, things to know about what is going to take place, things that 
are pertaining to salvation. So you're talking about the kingdom. And so when you see the spirit, the spirit and the bride, they say come. The bride is who? Zion. And the spirit, Yeshua gives us the Holy Spirit. It says come. Let us here say come. And let him that is the thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freedom. Let him drink. This water of life that people need. When you're going out to people, like you were saying earlier, going out the gospel of peace, you're speaking things, people are thirsty out there. They don't know. You know, it's like being in the desert and you are on dry land. You come with water, your spirit is flush, it's plush, you have plenty to drink. All you have, all it is, it requires you burning. Like Lazarus, just put a little drop on my tongue. I'm starving out here. It's a war out here. I need some spiritual, I'm thirsty. Like, can I get a drink? So when you pour out from the living waters, this system, when you pour out from that, they're receiving this water life freely. It's no charge. We're not charging people for this. This is freely for people to come and receive. And when they drink from it, they're getting their they're getting things quenched. Now they on they're getting back on track. So I, I know the Father, He answered my prayer. I saw that this is the one who He sent for me to drink from, for me to get this from. But if we do things that are not according to what is written in this book of life, or, I mean, what's written in this book, then he'll remove our part from the book of life. So that's why it's important that we get this right when we talk about um, this plan of salvation or the way in which we are doing things. The covenant of baptism, the doctrines of baptism. You didn't see the doctrine of um, consecration. Remember when we were in Hebrews 6? Six. Yeah, we were in there earlier, yeah. right? So at the beginning, he says, "Leave this off." Therefore, leaving the doctrine of Christ, let's go into perfection, right? Now you're building your house, your spiritual house, your spiritual house. You say you're going to go out into the world and preach the gospel of peace into those people that don't have it. Okay, the repentance from dead works. Don't take that with you. Okay, repentance of dead from dead works. That the, you know, whatever you did before is dead. Repentance from that now, and of faith toward the Father, of the doctrine of baptisms. What's the doctrine of baptism? This is what we are taking with us. The laying on of hands. This is what we're taking with us. The resurrection of the dead. This is what we're taking with us, and eternal judgment. That's what we're taking with. Nothing else. Now, if you get consecrated, great, but this is which the way in which he ordered us in. We see the laying on of hands dealing with healing. We've seen the laying on of hands imparting spiritual gifts on others, as Paul has done, as Yeshua has done. The resurrection of the dead, you have power to do that. And eternal judgment. Yeah, you have power to do that too. These are the things that we're looking to do. He said, this and this we will do. And this will we do if the Father permit us to do that. Right?
So that's what it means when he says, um, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Yeah. Okay. So that living water, where does it come from? Because that water is dealing with people have need of. Now water, you know, let's go to John 7 and take a look at that living water. And then we'll go to Revelation 7. But, you know, he was talking about the woman at the well. She says, have you this living water? Yeah, let's look at that. But he was talking about eternal life. He wasn't talking about drinking regular water. You got the Holy Spirit. That's the only way you can get salvation. That's eternal life. The Holy Spirit is way to receive eternal life. So the Holy Spirit is bringing all things to your remembrance, and that's how you drink. You drink from that cistern. The Holy Spirit is springing up everlasting life. Now, he didn't say it like that, but he knew that we wouldn't have no power until he leave us. He said, I'm going to leave you alone. I'm going up to my father, but I'm going to send you a comforter. So maybe a stretch, but that's but it comes out of the belly. That's where it comes. So where's the belly? Let's go to John seven. Is it John seven? John seven. Let's take take a look at that. So he's also saying in um thirty four, you shall seek me, you shall not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. So something about he's not going to be here for you to drink. Okay? So let's look at this connection from 34 all the way down to 38. You want to take a look at that? Read that. Okay. You want me to read it? Okay. Oh. Oh, okay. Um, John seven thirty four. Ye shall seek me and shall not find me. And where I am, thither ye cannot come. Then said the Jews among themselves, Whither will he go that we shall not find him? Will he go into the dispersed among the Gentiles and teach the Gentiles? What manner of saying is this that he said, Ye shall seek me and shall not find me? And where I am, thither ye cannot come. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Yeshua stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scriptures have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Keep going. Oh, okay. Sorry, <laughs> but this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. But the Holy Spirit was not yet given because that Yeshua was not yet glorified. What is the living waters? <laughs> the Spirit. Hey. It comes out of the belly? Yeah. And so I didn't tell you. I didn't, ain't understand so many words, but you have it there. Okay. So is it a stretch? Because, you know, I keep saying that I have this feeling in my stomach. Yeah. Like the Spirit is moving me to do something. I can't shake it. Yeah. 
So yeah. that's why I keep feeling it there. Like Just like you get goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, I'm not making it up. I don't I'm know what's in Los Angeles. But and I said neither. You got senses. Your senses are not denying the truth. When the more you don't deny the truth, the more you're in touch with your senses. Some people go dull in their senses. They don't feel nothing. Because they deny the truth. Now, you will lose that gift when you start denying it and doing what other people. You do it, you resist it. You lose it. You won't have that no more. That's why he says, be like a child to enter the kingdom. Child, they have these things. Other people, they don't have them. They deny the spirit. been consecrated so I so I have made a vow to the most high to take a position to serve the people at this point then right is that what they're saying well the thing is what did the meaning of what they did what did that do because if everybody is consecrated and the congregation as a member in order for them to be in the seventh covenant, they're saying that they're not baptizing you at all. But they're doing this in place of a baptism because that's what most people do for you to be accepted as a member. We read the, the definition of baptism. Usually people are baptized just become a member of a church. Well, House of Wisdom, they were doing what? They have this process in which you're about, you're, say, consecrated, right? Your hands, they don't do your feet, but we see the consecration for a priest or their hands and feet. They they, they wash that. But also, um, that's when they, before they go into the tabernacle, but also the consecration starts with their ear, their thumb, and their, their toe. Now, I saw the the did that for the apprentice priest. I saw they did they did that. They maybe I think they put the oil they did the oil in the water. They put that or you know, I'm not sure. Yeah, they did that. And that is by the Levitical priesthood. We uh, that is not the way in which we do things now. That's Levitical priesthood. That's a different order of things. They actually took blood and did that. So, um, that consecration was for a person, as you know, they put you on, uh, what did they put you? They put you on an app, and they say congregant. So, they're swearing people into the walk by making them what they call consecrate as a congregant. Well, if you're going to any covenant, your vow, your vow, and they're making a vow, 
And your vow, as we see consecration, is for a use for a service. Or for use for, to be something set apart for the Most High. Now, what did you swear that you say you would do? Now, most of the things that you swear you did, once they read to you the things pertaining to um, the scriptures, then they read uh, new, new, um, they read Deuteronomy 27. And you just say, I mean, all throughout the whole thing. Saying that you'll be bounding yourself by a curse. Now, Yeshua did not make us a curse to agree to. He gave us grace. Why in the hell were we doing that? We don't make consecrations by curses. Binding yourself to a curse. I want you to replay what took place the day you were consecrated. As to what they say consecration is. Remember, traditions of men are doctrines of men. Uh, we observe what they don't do as they do. However, going through the process, I want to understand what they do to others to know how they are actually walking. And then when I've seen it done, I realize it's out of order. I mean, that's for me. But I'd like for you to prove it yourself. Because you sure didn't have anyone bound themselves to a curse. His body was made a curse for us, not for us to make a vow to do anything like that. about the consecration in the beginning when they took you in a room and they read to you the scriptures what that was about uh, you mean when they read the Deuteronomy what is it well, Deuteronomy, 27. Deuteronomy 28 they read the blessings or I doubt well yeah curse if I do this if I do that if I do that yeah so the yeah. curses, if we read in the, in the, in the, we read that, that has nothing to do. And we're not cursed. We're not living under that anymore. Um, so this is, while we make ourselves a curse, that's like eating from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. You set this day before you life and death. That's what that's doing. You're eating from the tree of life, as they say, why the hell would you be making a, a vow or binding yourself to that for your consecration? Why? Consecration is for an office. It is for your duty of service to serve the Most High in. 
Consecration is actually a blessing. It's anointing. It's something that's making you holy for something. Uh, it's your office. It's something you do. Usually you're already in the walk before you, you know, when you're consecrated, you're already, you're already doing the works of the Most High already. Your consecrated is another another realm, another level of your dedication. You know, in the Christian church, they say anointed. He's been anointed. He's been ordained. They say that. Ordained, right? Yeah. What's the difference between ordained and consecrated? Christian church like that, but I know, I know but, I, they but, say but I was ordained words, as a minister. Like they were ordained as a minister. That's the only way I know. Ordained. Yeah, but what, what does that mean? They they were they took an office. They there had an office. Oh, they had a position so, or a title. There you go. So as you look at the word ordained, someone a priest or minister conferred to holy orders on. They order officially um, to invest. To officially the laying on of hands, um, the authority as a priest to establish by order of appointment, decree, or law, enact people, um, to carry out um, people can uh, ordained. So. Something that makes it official. All right. Okay. So, but but that's basically what we're getting at here. Um, Old Testament, you see consecrated. Testament, you may see ordained. And I think you see ordained also in old as well. But the whole matter of it is it's a duty of service. And what is our duty of service? Um, and so when it says about the curses and the blessings, um, it's good to know not to eat from the tree of life and evil. That's good to know not to eat that because this is what you will get if you do eat of tree of knowledge and good and evil. Now, if you walk at the righteousness... You'll eat of the tree of life. And that's what we're going after. All praises. But yeah, let's take about let's take a look at curses. You know, did he set us up to walk or to bound ourselves by a curse? Um, let's take a look at this here. Why would we... It's good to have knowledge of what not to do. Because this is a punishment. Curse is a punishment. Um, now, when Moses and his covenant, they did that. We're not in that covenant anymore. If this covenant gives us access to eternal life, then we ought to be looking at 
disgrace. Who did preach about curse? And then after Yeshua died, who preached about curses and blessings? Now he says blessing that persecute you. If you're in a kingdom, are you dealing with curses? He says love your enemies, bless them that curse you. He says, he that curses father and mother, let him die to death. You're in the kingdom. He said, depart from me, you curse, and to everlasting father. So how can you be in the kingdom and be cursed? You're in him. You're rooted and built up in him. Bless them that curse you. And pray for them that despitefully use you. But he says, um, you know, when we start looking at a lot of things, some people will curse themselves. They will do that. They'll bound themselves under a curse, just like they did for Paul, and wait for him until they, they wanted to kill him. Okay. Look at Romans 9. He says that, For I could wish, this is Romans 9 and 3, For I wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren. Okay, this is because he felt shame on what he had did and crucif and killing a lot of people that believed in him. This is a shame. You don't want that. But he says always in Romans twelve, he says, Bless them that persecute you. Bless and curse not. This is something that we don't want to be dealing with at all. Now, when he says 1 Corinthians 12, those spiritual gifts, he says, Where unto you, wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaketh by the Spirit of the Father calleth Yeshua accursed. That no man can say that Yeshua is the Lord but by the Holy Spirit. So if we don't call him accursed, and we are in him, then how are we cursed? How are we cursed? But but here's how we're going to look at this. In Galatians 1.9, he says, As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you that you have received, let him be accursed. How about that? That's how you're going to be cursed because you're not following after the ordinance of Yeshua that he laid for us. Galatians 3.10 For as many as are the works of the law as under the curse, for it is written, Curse is everyone that continues not in the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. This is Galatians 3 and um, this is pretty much what if we look at we're going to look at this, that the blessing of Abraham come on the Gentiles through Yeshua, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now he says, brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. But now to Abraham his seed were the promises made. He said, and to seeds, and of many, but as one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And I say that the covenant that is confirmed before 
the Father in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul, that it should make the promise of none effect. And as we continue in this, we start to see the law here and how we're dealing with the promises of the Father being given to us for life. So let me get here where it deals with the curse because we started talking about the schoolmaster and how it was used that we may be justified by faith. But you know, if we didn't do it, we would be cursed. So we live by faith, then we're not cursed, right? Yes. Yeah. No? Right. Just impute it for righteousness. Right. And to justify it by faith. Right. So how he redeemed us from the curse of the law, right? You see in verse thirteen, Galatians three. Yeah. Now he redeemed us from the curse, being made a curse for us. It is written, "Curses everyone that hangs up on a tree." That the blessing of Abraham may come on the Gentiles through Yeshua, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And then you see in verse ten, "For as many as the works of the law are under the curse, the works of the law are under the curse." That's that knowledge, that tree of knowledge and good evil. For it is written, "Curses everyone that continues not in the things which are written in the book of the law to do them." But no man is justified by the law. See that? In that the side of the Father, it is evident that the just shall live by faith. So the law is not of faith, but that man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, have made a curse for us, for it is written, curse everyone that hangeth upon a tree. How about that? How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it says and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That's that's good. So why would we? And, and I always believe in you know I learn by being humble. I learn where people err at when people don't consider everything in the scriptures and they just couldn't start reading out of stuff and trying to do everything that they see don't try to pick up this book and try to do everything in here he redeemed that it's certain things he fulfilled so when he fulfilled this you don't have to do that you have to know the distinction between what he calls you to do when he um that we don't have to do we live by grace we don't have to, we, we're not under no curse. We're not cursed. Now, curse everyone that don't do them, but this is by faith. We live by faith. So you live by faith, you know, you're learning. You're learning. You have grace in all this. It covers you. It covers you. He's your head. And so we have to live by faith that everything's going to be all right. And we're going to treat each other. We're going to walk with the gospel of peace for righteousness and, um, we we see that even the heathen they live by this, okay. So how are you gonna say the heathen are cursed because they don't do it? So it's not, you know, one law for all, one faith for all, faith for uncircumcision, faith for circumcision. 
it's all the same. So, what is that? Was it really um, a consecration? What, what, what is that? <laughs> what is that? Yeah. I don't know what they're doing, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying, I mean... I don't know can't... what's happening. I don't yeah. know what's happening. How are you going to read the curses and the blessings and you're sure you redeem us from that? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Lord have mercy. He said, Abraham believed in the Father. It was imputed, accounted for him for righteousness. And that's all he, he ever all he ever said was you believe in him and do what he believed. Do what's in your heart. Just do it. Even the Christians know this. The Christians are far ahead spiritually than where they are. I've right. seen Christians work miracles. I work miracles. I mean, this is the things that it's not easy. I mean, it's not hard. It's not far from you. It's very simple. It's not at your heart, not in your mouth. It's near to you. All you got to do is do it. Try trying to make this stuff so hard. Sitting here reading up all these hours and all this stuff and you're going the wrong way. But I tell you what. If you're gonna go by the if you're gonna go by the curses, you're gonna live by them too. If you're gonna go by them curses, you're gonna live by them too. Curses, he says in verse ten, curses everyone that continue not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. You're gonna live by that. So, I don't know that consecration. You gonna live by that or what? You gonna live by faith? Or you gonna live by that law? Which one? I mean, take a look at verse 12 and 13. The law is not of faith. The man that doing them shall live in them. You're going to live in that. He redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. I mean, he redeemed you from that. You ain't got to do all that stuff. So what is this consecration that they're doing? It seems like it's just a stumbling block. As is written in Revelation 2. It's going to bind you with some consecration, and I've never seen consecrations being with curses. You're getting your anointing from the Spirit of the Most High. You're getting your anointing for a position for use, for, for being Master's use. I haven't seen it where you're bounding yourself to be a member of a of a of a congregation. To be in the seventh covenant. 
And then you have other people uh, becoming apprentice priests to wait in these lots to do prayers on behalf, hoping to fill up this thing with a lot of people. Thinking that they're going to do this for the whole world. They're the only ones in the world that can do this. They're raising up priests until the time of the coming of Yeshua. I like to see some miracles. I like to see. I'm not going to say what I like to see. I'm just going to say that when you make an oath by curse, uh, I never seen anywhere in this. We don't make a covenant. That's not the covenant that He made with us. His covenant is very different. This new covenant is very different. And it's very easy too. It comes with repentance. And it calls it comes with you making your vow. That you're gonna serve him all your heart, mind, and soul, love your neighbors yourself. And um you 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 confess that he is your savior, your redeemer. He is the one that came from the Father. He did die, and he was down in the earth for three days and three nights, and he was rose on the third day. And he went back up to the Father and sat on the right hand of him became our high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And we confess our faults to him. And that's the order of our covenant. We answer to him. He's our head. So I don't know what else you can say of this covenant that, you know, because a man and woman come together. The man is the head. He is the image of Christ. So from there, the woman is the weaker vessel, she's helping him with things for turning the kingdom, business, whatever their goals and visions are for for this life. It's one report they have. Otherwise, man and woman have their own individual report until they become one flesh. So, I don't know what else you can bind your soul to for a vow of this covenant. You got a covenant of marriage. You got a covenant of eternal life. If you receive the Holy Spirit, you're sealed. Otherwise, you got the baptism of repentance. You are forgiven. But you want that Holy Spirit. You want to get that. It's very needful. The Father will give you whatever you ask for, right? Because He has a relationship with you. You have the Holy Spirit. He won't let, he won't leave you comfortless. He hear you. He knows what you need before you ask for it. Now you are cursed definitely when you're not walking with him. You don't know him. You're not in his covenant. But he has a way that he prepared for us in his covenant. That's to be baptized. And so they asked him, this is um, Acts, if we go to Acts um, 2 here. Acts 2.36 here. And they say, um, so they were saying in verse 29, Acts 2, uh, they said, men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you about the patriarch, Dawid, and that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulchre is here with us unto this day. 
Therefore, being a prophet and knowing the, that the Father has sworn an oath to him that of his fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He seen this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul would not be left in hell, neither his flesh see, did see corruption. This Yeshua, who the Father raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, being on the right hand of the Father, exalted, having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he hath shed forth this, which you now see and hear. If you got the Holy Spirit, how are you accursed? Come on now. You got the Holy Spirit. You, you teaching about faith, knowing that you must receive the Holy Spirit, how in the hell will you be cursed? No one a curse will get the Holy Spirit. No one. So why would you bound yourself with a curse? For David is not ascending to heavens, but saith himself, The Most High said unto my Lord, Sit on the right hand. Sit on my right hand till I make your foes your footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know, and surely the Father have made the same Yeshua whom you crucified, both Lord Almighty and the Messiah. Okay, he made them both. Okay? He's the Messiah and he's Almighty. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. They're like, really? We didn't know he was almighty. We didn't know he was Elohim. We didn't know he come from the Father. We didn't know that. They were pricked in their heart, and Peter said, and Peter and to the rest, Peter said, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brother, what shall we do? Peter said unto them, repent, repent. All that you've gone through, repent. I don't care what you did. Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of who? Yeshua. For the remission of sins, that you shall receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that is far off, even as many as the Almighty, our Father, shall call. And he says, with many other words, did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. And then they gladly received his word and were baptized. And the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. Because if you're being baptized, right, that's why we say we break the bread, right? Showing Yeshua's death. Breaking the bread. And fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men. And every man had need. And they continually daily on one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising the Father, having favor with all the people, and the Most High added to the church, Daily, such as should be saved. How about that? But I challenge you to go throughout this, what we say, new covenant, right? Go throughout all these books and find about us making a vow to be bound by curses. I challenge you to find if you can. I 
find I, I challenge you to find where anyone is being consecrated other than an office for a service that they're serving, whether it be anointed, ordained, consecrated, whatever, other than being into, you know, willing, I've never read it, but anyway, I challenge you to find that other than for an office, what other, whatever, whatever would you use it for, you know, being consecrated. There could be a thing consecrated. Like if you have a fan, a fan is consecrated. It means it's a use for that in the temple, in the church where people are. You give it to the fathers and consecrated is dedicated to the Most High. Is that. You take anything and you bring it to the feast. It's consecrated for the feast. It's made holy. Okay? It's for the use of the feast. It's for the use of whatever. It's for the people. It's consecrated. Anytime, anytime you act, you perform a service, a duty, that's your con- it is consecrated. If you make it use, set apart for that which is holy, dedicated to the Father, it is holy, it's consecrated. But consecration don't come with, um, it may be a vow of service, but not a vow of bringing curses on yourself. If you don't do this, this happened to you. Uh, I haven't seen that. Never, no. That tree was an object of the evil. We fell from that. We're not dealing with that tree anymore. This seventh covenant, as we speak of it, shall be eating from the tree of life. And that's what we see from the fruits of the Spirit, tree of life. Not any unleavened bread that you're eating from. Because Adam was tilling the ground after he was kicked out. So if he's tilling the ground to make any flour or anything and stuff like that, that's outside the garden, which is not in the, not eating from the tree of life. Uh, anything else? No, that was that was, that was good. Yeah, but where is it that we bound ourselves with a curse? Yeah, it's just the sixth covenant. Nothing under Moses when they were um, going into off. Office office positions, like you say. Uh, Hannah. When he redeems us, he died. That's a baptism. He redeems us from a curse. Why would we ever want to utter that? He redeems us from that. We were before him. We were in the place of knowledge and good and evil. We don't have that no more. We have this baptism to bring us back to the tree of life, that we may eat of the water and drink of the water freely from the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit, how are you cursed? So we have to take what we have in the old and know our place with that in the new. We have a new covenant. It's different from that covenant. And so a lot of people teach without understanding of both covenants. What Yeshua fulfilled, he fulfilled the end. He put an end to the law of curse. He fulfilled it with you being his body, his veil. His body was made a curse for us that we may be sanctified and made holy because of his body. 
He took all the sins of the world. He went into the bottom of the earth and was redeemed and went up into heaven. Took all the sins of the world with him, right? All you got to do is confess and boom, and do what is required of you. That's why he said, if you don't eat and drink my flesh, my blood, you have no part with me, right? So if you don't do this Passover, I mean, the things that, you know, come by faith, which you know of, you have no part with me. Now, these are the, this is the faith of the circumcision, different from the faith of the uncircumcision. They do do this in remembrance of him. They do it according to their time. Um, and, you know, but do they know the technicality? Do they know the, the the Passover? Do they know the first day of the first month when it's kept by the moon and all these things? That's not for them. But they do have a way that they know to do this once a year, the Passover. So we don't judge people and how they keep their Shabbats. We don't judge them in how they keep their feasts. We don't judge them in how they do things. As long as we know, by faith, this is what people are doing, hey, we deal according to knowledge. We're good. At least they're not cursed. The Gentiles are not cursed, and anybody that's circumcision not cursed, if you give your life unto him. There's no curse for that. So what are we dealing with for consecration of a curse? Did I send you um, the um, the feast calendar with the dates on there? Yes, I think Aaliyah sent it to me. Did I send you um, the things that are broken down by Enoch with all the verses about the moon and things? I, um, is that where you sent me that portal? The portals? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. You have that, right? Yes. Okay. Good. So, it takes some time to get that, but once you have it, you will know basically how to, you know, look at any, each day. You know, you can look at where the moon is and see it for yourself what it's doing. And. You can keep up with the days and see where we are with the days. And so, yeah, um, I'll probably start creating a uh, maybe a digital calendar that we can actually look at that has the dates on it, at least for the month, 
that we see things coming. Okay. But for the most part, um, looking at the signs, what they are. I mean, that's something how we can meditate and uh, get to the place where we're called to be. Besides, um, you know, there's, there's a part that's spiritual where we have to look at the creation, things not made by hands. Everything that you were taught, you know, by anybody, you have to prove it, challenge it, look at it. Where does it say this? Where is it? Oh, you did this. Why did this happen? What are we doing? When you start to say that you agree, um, uh, eventually the word I mean, I don't use I mean, because I mean to me is something different than what most people, you know, a lot of people look at. I mean, or amen, as, um, but I also know that I'm in Ra, and I see that certain places is referenced that. But, um, you know, when I heard them saying and wanting people to say that after each um, thing, it's like you're agreeing to a curse. So, I didn't see. Uh, like in the Old Testament, um, I see it usually in Deuteronomy 27. Um, you know, I um, they had maybe in, let me see, Kings and Chronicles is really, and I don't know if they were inserted in there, but it's in the same, let me see. Uh, da But yeah, it, you know, to me, I just don't really go into it and why that was there. But anyway, um, when it comes concerning the laws and we see people, this is where I see it being used when people are affirming something. But why would we affirm a curse? Now, in Deuteronomy, I think it's 30, Moshe said, I set before you life or death. Yeshua is not saying the same thing with us. Go to Deuteronomy 30 real quick. See what this looks like. Does this look like the same thing that we are doing today? Deuteronomy 30 and verse 15, I believe. not 
No, that looks the same. No. What's that? I said, no, that looks the same. Anything is something totally different. Yeah. This is that covenant that he made with the people. Is Yeshua making the same covenant with us? You remember when Adam was told not to eat from the tree of knowledge and good and evil? Remember that? Okay, sorry, I didn't hear you. What'd you say? Do you remember when um, Adam was told to eat from, not to eat from the tree of knowledge and good and evil? Right. But the servant said, he says, um, the day you eat of it, he told Eve that you'll be like God's. Knowing good from evil. Yeah. So this life and death is that good and evil. Now, you sure he didn't make a covenant with us for death. He told us that we have victory over death. That's the resurrection. Yeah. So we have power over death. Why? He said, I can give you power to do it. Raise up the sick and the dead. Yeah. This is not that covenant. Yeshua, he put death under his foot. He says, we read that, put my enemies under my foot. It was just in Acts, right? Acts chapter 2. Mm-hmm. We go back in Acts chapter 2. And we see it in Psalms 42. Psalms 40. He said, till I put made your enemies your footstool, right? See in Acts 2 and 35. <clears throat> he given us the power of resurrection from Acts two oh. thirty one to thirty five. Mm-hmm. What do we believe? That what is this faith that we believe in? He spake of the resurrection. This resurrection is how you drink from the water that flow out of your belly of living waters. You drink it freely. The power of resurrection. This is it. The Holy Spirit gives you this power of life. Well, springing up with water unto everlasting life. This is the resurrection here. His soul was not left in hell. Before that, everybody went to hell. But now your flesh will not see corruption. Because you have this faith that your faith won't see, your flesh won't see corruption either. This is the faith that he wants us to walk into, this newness of life, this power. He wants to raise us up with power. That's why he says, having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, which is shed forth for you to see, for you to now see and hear. He said, David is ascended into the heavens, is not sent into the heavens. But the Lord said unto my Lord, the Father said unto the my most high. This is King David saying to my Lord, because King David talked to Yeshua before he came in the flesh. 
the Almighty. The Father said to him, Sit on my right hand. Now, which of his angels did he tell to do that? None of them. Only him. Only his son he made him. We see that in Hebrews uh, first, or I think it's first chapter we see that. Hebrews 1. He says, Until I make your foes, your enemies, your footstool. That death. Let us look at this death a little bit more. Um, let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. See what you there. Seventeen. Fifteen. Oh. Fifteen, and you know, and we're going to go to Revelation two and see some things. 15, and let's go down to 54. Revelation, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and 53. Actually, let's let's start at 50. Oh, boy. This is all good. 50. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I should all do this. My goodness. So we start from 45. This is good stuff. So the first man, Adam, right? That's how death came into this world through Adam, right? Right. Was he was made a living soul, the first man. But the last Adam, Christ, was made a quickening spirit, raised you from the dead, the power of resurrection. He was raised up, the Father quickened him, and so now he quickened everybody else after him. Christ, the first fruits after them that slept. Howbeit, that was not that which was spiritual, but that which is natural. Afterward, which that which is spiritual, the body. The first man is of the earth, the earthly, earthly. The second man is who? Yeshua from heaven. How about that? Now, as is earthly, such are they as that are earthly. And as is heavenly, so such are they also that are heavenly. As we are born an image of the earthy, we also shall bear the image of the heavenly. That's what we're here to do. Now I say, brethren, the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of the Father, neither do corruption inherit corruption. What is corruption? Death. Death is corruption. In corruption is death. Death don't inherit incorruption. What is incorruption? Immortality. He cannot die. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. That's the mystery. Changed by what? In a moment, twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, there's going to be a seven trumpets blown. At the last trumpet, the last one, the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised up, raised incorruptible. See, that death don't hold on them. That's why your faith has to not be in death. That's why we can't, we don't live that covenant of Moses in terms of death. He put death under the feet. We have the faith that we're going to be raised up. That's the power of life we have. We shall be changed. And this corruptible, this flesh that we're in, is corruptible. It ages, it does stuff, must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. How you live your life, you must put on immortality. 
So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, right, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass that saying is written, death is swallowed up in victory. How about that? That's faith. Death is swallowed up in victory. We don't live by death. We don't have a covenant with the tree of knowledge and good and evil. We don't have that. Oh, death, where is your sting? Members of death came upon Eve. The sting made them feel naked. Oh, grave, where is your victory? You can't hold me in the. You can't hold me in hell. The sting of death is sin, right? The strength of the sin is the law. So, the law makes his sin available. So, where there is no law, there is no sin. But thanks to be to the Father that he's given us victory through. We have victory over what? We have victory over death through who? Yeshua. That's faith. Therefore, my beloved brethren, you step as unmovable, always abounding in the work of who? Yeshua, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Most High, in Yeshua. How about that? Hello. Yep. So, what you think about that? That's the that's the goal. Huh? That's the goal. <laughs> What's that? I think that's the goal. I didn't hear you. Oh, uh, can you hear me now? Okay, go ahead. Yeah. I said, yeah, that's good stuff. That's the goal. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because um, all we're doing is talking about victory over death. So how can I have a covenant with death? We're reading Moses for what? Tree of knowledge and good, good and evil. Why am I saying curses? Why am I confirming curses by saying amen? I mean, why am I doing that? Hmm? A stumbling block? Uh, the doctrine of Balaam and Balak. It's the doctrine of Balaam and Balak, right? I mean, I'm, I'm just, I just don't want to get into things. I mean, I, I, I did things to learn and to be learned why you don't do these things. I did it for people coming together looking that, hey, maybe you know something I don't know. Maybe I humble myself. And then humbling myself, I learned, oh, no, you're not supposed to do this. So I've been around many different places. Oh, this person, they do something new. I ended up seeing this before. Why is she doing it? And let me see if you do something. I'm like, no, that's not the faith. That's not the faith. That's not the doctrine of the baptisms. That's not the faith of the laying on of hands. That's not the faith of the um, the raising of the sick, the, ra- the, the raising of the dead, the resurrection. We're not talking about any of that. Then we'll be talking about this here. Consecration is really for an office of duty or service that you're going to do. You're called to do that. It's your office. 
So that has nothing to do with someone cleaning up their walk, being um, in a congregation, saying, this is my brother and my sister, they're going to walk this walk. Your new walk doesn't start with a consecration, it starts with the baptism. So let's not be deceived based on what people do. And so um, when you have knowledge of the truth, confess the wrong and make amends. Do right. That's it. So if you've already been baptized before, you don't you have, need to be baptized. You have been baptized until you're sure, right? Um, yeah, I have. That's good. So if you've been baptized, no reason for you to get baptized again. I mean, if you if you made a dedication to the Most High to give your life to Him and you was baptized, you're good. Okay. The baptism is unto repentance. You've been re- you repented. You were sorry for whatever you did. You say you're gonna serve Him all the days of your life. You're good. <clears throat> now, whether you know what to do, you know that's that's just how it came. But you were baptized. You're good. All right. Ain't but one baptism, one faith, right? One baptism, one faith, one Most High. And we just read that, didn't we? How many baptisms you got to go through just to get some peace? Yeah, <laughs> yeah one baptism. Yeah, okay. You know, you got the Hebrew Israelites, and you didn't get baptized with us, brother. You, you got to get in this water now. Yeah. We don't know about that church and how they did. They ain't believe in him the way we do. They ain't calling Yahawashi. They didn't call on him. So we got a different way how we do it. Go and come up in this water and join us in here. We got to put your name in the book. You know, do all this stuff we got to take you through, you know. You got to be one of us. We are not seen you. We're not seen you. You just saying stuff. You saying, you know, we ain't got no truth. We ain't got no truth here. Name but one Father in the heaven unto all men. You you know, we're not to judge or give respect unto let somebody live with their faith and how they live with that. Somebody comes from another place and they say they are, you know, a priest. And you know, it's just like not accepting the master's degree from this university because you come from another country. United States does that stuff. We're not supposed to do that with each other. You know, judge each other and how you were baptized. That's it. Make it plain, make it simple. Yeah. But yeah, you know, anything comes up, we go into more stuff. But um, I think next uh, next Shabbat, we're going to start preparing um, for Feast of Tabernacles, uh, preparing for the feasts that are coming up, going to what they are. They are a salvation plan for the seventh month of us being gathered together. So the end of the harvest, he gives us, just like six days, we have six months to do our work. And the seventh month, uh, we're bringing in the harvest. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Well, We'll continue in this, and um, 
as far as faith goes. Continue to build on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. The next thing is, I mean, you still have work to go, and it's good where you started at. The thing is, you're going to pick up more stuff. You know, so whatever you didn't pick up, that's also good to go into it. Because the more you know, you'll be able to hit people from any angle. So continue in your next document of faith. It's going to be a lot different. You may not capture it. You're not going to catch everything on one round, one swoop. So what are the things that we're dealing with virtue, the things that we're lacking, we're missing? So say about fruits of the Spirit. Say about um, dealing with the gifts. You know, these things we attain by faith. Whatever we go to the Father, we ask, we seek, we knock, things are given to us. These things we do by faith. So there's more faith in which you can go into. Whatever you didn't hit on, hit on things differently this time. Okay. Yeah. So um, when will this be, dear? Two weeks. Oh, when I'm out in L.A.? Okay, that's perfect time. <laughs> Now, if you need another week after you come back from L.A., um, you know, another week, because I know when you're out there, you may, um, who knows how the spirit may lead to do certain things. But if you're able to do it. I write it when I'm on the plane. I wrote the last one when I was on the plane. Um, In two weeks, that'll be that Sabbath. Okay. Yeah. That'll be good. Yeah, cause I yeah I didn't do the fruits of the spirit. I didn't get to do that other gifts. Yeah, I mean you got many things when it comes to faith. You done the charity work, you know, you know. Mm-hmm. I put I added something in there for you on that, and um, the faith is the virtue. What about the virtue? You know, Yeshua says virtue. He lost that. You know, when you're going to get into situations dealing with people, you may lose a little virtue. You may get a little frustrated. You may get angry. All right? How are you to keep your composure in all this? This look at this temperance, this meekness, this this patience, this long suffering. Whoa, my goodness! So let's look at those things. Bless them that persecute you. Right. What does that look like? Extremely meek and humble. Don't let, yeah, that humility. What does that humility look like? Let nothing come out of your mouth speaking evil of no one. Not slander. We're not to slander. This is the household of faith. How are we to treat people? And love. What does it mean to love your neighbor yourself? Because that's not really expounded on. Loving your neighbor yourself. And how do we love our Father? We're saying love because all these things we're doing in love. Whether we have charity for others, whether uh, we're being obedient unto righteousness, those spiritual sacrifices we covered, that's good stuff there. But that's all, yeah, that's... But yeah. Because once you exhaust all your faith, I think it's impossible for anybody to trick and deceive you of anything. 
you're going to hit on all this stuff. It's going to be very impossible. So, yeah, you having a, you're building your house of faith. You're building that strong foundation, which nobody can blow it over with. Then when you start studying the law, statutes, and judgments, when you start studying that, you it's going to sharpen you up really good. Best thing is to have faith. And now that you have faith, now let's look at the law, statutes, and judgments and understand how to operate in that. Let's learn how to operate in the government. So, yes, once you complete your faith, we will be studying law, statutes, and judgments. But I'd rather do that with those who have in the faith, not just with people that want to just learn stuff. Because you got to have the right spirit to go through these things. Because people use this for their advantage and not really. It's, it's a different teaching in things. Because you have oversight of things. Because you already stand that you're not moving by the law. You have mercy for how you judge with respect to the law for those who are ignorant and those who have knowledge of it. That's how we roll. All praises. All right. So, we continue again. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right, part two, and um, yeah, living my faith, a testimony, testimony of righteousness. All right. Well, I'm gonna have a safe flight tomorrow. Okay. All right then. All right. Shalom, peace. That little All right. Bye bye.